0: Hey, welcome to the 309th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Some comic books this week. A big shout-out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional thirty minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I recently, talked about was discussing Silver Age Superman comics, a weird, wacky Jimmy Olsen, Lois Lane comics. I'm kind of missing that. Uh, I, I just recently, I just went back to Amazing Spider-Man. We're looking at the the John Romita era. So doing some classic, just really good Superman or Spider-Man c- comics. we will do that for a little bit and maybe go back to Superman stuff. We'll see. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash G-Man from Heck. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. And that's K-O-F-I dot com slash g from Heck. This week it might be a little shorter this week. Uh, as, as I mentioned last week, you know, with Comic Con travel and all that traveling stuff, and then this this past week I traveled to visit my daughter. So yeah, it, I got more done than I thought I would. As I kind of mentioned in the intro, a uh, little less comics this week, and but I got got most of them. I, I think the ones that matter. We're gonna have uh, the movie feature is gonna be Barbie. So I, I I mentioned you know I had like a one day window where I can go see. Movie this you know, last week, and I decided to go see Barbie. Um, I'll probably probably do Oppenheimer next week instead of Haunted Mansion. We'll see. Uh, so we got Barbie. We got the Secret um, Invasion finale. We have Hijack, uh, which is I think two, this this one, and then I think there's one more after this. So that's almost done. Crowded Room, same thing. I think it's gonna be this weekend, and there's, there's the finale. But we'll also talk about the Taylor Swift concert. So my daughter and I went. To the the Saturday show, and I I figured what we could do after that. I mean, I've talked about Taylor Swift before. I mean, I think she's such an amazing person, amazing performer, and uh, you know, I talked about her Miss Americana, the documentary, and everything like that. So, what I decided is like, hey, why not talk? I talked about the Blink One Eighty Two concert. We just throw in some some reactions, some experience, and to do it a little different. So you'll see when we get to that point. Is we're gonna kind of do it kind of like when um, on episode 300 when we talked about Little Mermaid, we're just gonna do it live like right after like as soon as we get in the car, just give our, our, our thoughts and our reaction and um, just to mix things up add a little more content and I'm super excited. So it, it's, it's, it should be interesting to see what our thoughts are. Because you know, we, we did go to the reputation tour, so you know, we can kind of compare that, and that's going to be it for this week, I think. So, my adventures of Superman, I didn't get a chance to watch that. Harley Quinn also dropped this week, so those can probably be picked up next week. So, with Crowded Room and Hijack and Secret Invasion all exiting, I need to fill in that space. There's also Futurama, I thought about that. I, I don't even know if that I, I feel like something like that you can't really discuss it you know i I can't do i can't discuss that the way i discuss the other shows because you know while there is a story in each episode it does a lot depends on on the humor you know or the the humor that rides on on that and me describing it even if i quote the joke or the scene it's not gonna be funny so we'll see i didn't get a chance to watch uh the new season when i was watching this I went back to season five, like my daughter and I just had that on in the background we were watched a bunch of them. So yeah, let's, let's, let's start with the news. Things are a mess in Hollywood still. So with, with the strike and everything, we're starting to see some impacts like on, on horizon. There's still no sign of it, um, of any settlement, but Sony, maybe they, they're aware that there's no sign of a settlement. So they decided to make some changes to their calendar. Beyond the Spider-Verse, obviously, that's going to be delayed. You know, the animators are saying there's no way it's going to be released in time. Um, Haley Steinfeld, I think in June, said that she hasn't even recorded, done any, like, voiceover work for that. And now it she's on strike, too, you know, all the actors are on strike. It's who knows when that's going to happen. So that, that's what. So basically, Sony has removed it completely from the calendar. So as of now, it it's not going to be released. It will be released, but they don't have a date for that. So that, that that's that's pretty bad. Venom three it was supposed to I think it was supposed to come out this October, right? It's now coming out July twelfth, twenty twenty four, middle of summer. It's gonna be a summer blockbuster, right? No, uh, I guess Sony originally had like that date for like some mystery movie. <laughs> now they can put that in there. Kraven the Hunter has been delayed. That was no, so Kraven was supposed to come out October sixth. When was Maybe Venom was November. Craven is going from October 6th to August 30th, 2024. August is kind of not not the best month for release, in my opinion. And then uh, Madam Web, remember that movie? I have no idea where, where that's at, what stage. They must be somewhere because originally it was supposed to come out February 16th, 2024. And now it's it's got bumped up to February 14th. 2024. I think that's right. Maybe I got that date wrong. It's like I think whatever. We'll see. So uh, my concern now, what I, what I was thinking is, as we're as movies are getting delayed, that means obviously. I mean, it's, it's a concern. It's a bigger concern for theaters because that means you know it's it's almost like we just got over COVID when you know we had to shut down theaters. Or there was hardly anything out, but now it's it's starting to be the same thing. Where there's not going to be movies in theaters. So... Oh, because like Gran Turismo... So that was supposed to come out August 11th. They pushed that back just a couple weeks to August 25th. Now, there's still not going to be anyone to promote it. You're not going to get Orlando Bloom and David Harbour to talk about it. But by pushing it that two weeks... I guess what they plan on doing is... Having some sneak preview showings in those two weeks. And they're hoping... I believe they're hoping that word of mouth will help sell the movie. So people will go to a sneak preview and then they'll talk about like, Oh, this was such a cool movie. And then when it officially gets released, I think that's the idea. So I'll have to figure out like what I'm going to see. Like for me, because that's getting moved, I I think I'm fine because, you know, I like I, as I mentioned, I'm going to do Oppenheimer. There's haunted mansion. Maybe I'm going to see that. I wasn't sure if I was going to see that in the theater or not, but maybe I'll see that. And then I feel like there's something else coming out. I mean, there's Blue Beetle, I think, is in August. So we'll see. But then speaking of delays in that, so apparently Disney is not going to delay Loki, which is good. Loki season two, they released a poster for it. That's going to come out on October 6th. Oh, but going back to the podcast, like if there's no movies, like what's going to be my main feature? We'll see. Hopefully, you'll still be listening. Lando. So this is this is kind of bad. The, the Lando Disney Plus series. So I, I think it was last week. That, uh, Justin, I forget, what's his name? C C, C- mean or something like that. He mentioned that yeah, it's still happening. Not really sure what's going on or anything because you know he was supposed to be writing it. Apparently, he's not involved with it anymore. So I don't know when that that sound bite that uh, quote that must have been from a while ago because I don't think. Well if he's a writer no he, if he's a writer he can't talk about it so it must have been an older thing but what what came out now somehow i don't know oh, i don't know who got this news but Donald Glover and his brother Stephen Glover are going to be co-writing the Lando series cuz you know they they've done some writing stuff before i guess that good but it's been not good for the other dude and uh, but apparently this deal was finalized before the writer's strike happened. But we're just finding out about it now somehow. Interesting news, so Michael Bay apparently has been resisting a G.I. Joe Transformers crossover for like years. I guess way back with the rise of Cobra, Hasbro was like, let's do a crossover. And he's like, no. And you know, and even now, it, the only way it could happen is if Hasbro approves of it and Michael Bay, since he's an executive producer of Transformer movies or whatever, and I, I guess one dude kept like bugging him, like calling and calling and calling, and he finally, you know, it's like, all right, fine, whatever. So, <laughs> I, I have to say, I kind of agree. I don't, I don't see what purpose it would serve. I mean, maybe, maybe they're they're trying to do like a, a Hasbro verse type of thing, like you know, Marvel MCU. I just. Yes, there was a Transformer G.I. Joe comic. It was a four-issue limited series in the 80s. I just I don't think it's a good idea. Uh, I, I think they're they're, they're too different. Especially if we don't have an established G.I. Joe franchise. And, and then there's a the whole Transformer timeline, which I don't fully really understand. So, I don't know. And the other thing we, we don't know, Zachary Levi... He, he's still perplexed about the Shazam 2 Like critics and reviews So he says you know th- There was a good audience score But the the critics reviews were just low And, and you know just some of them were just like mean And it's weird I, I enjoyed the movie You know I it wasn't like my favorite movie of all time But I, just, I don't know why People are just so angry About, about stuff So uh, I don't know <laughs> and then Mark Guggenheim so you know, Mark Guggenheim obviously you know worked with CW, uh, Arrowverse, all that stuff. He thinks Marvel needs to um, prune the MCU tree. He thinks that there's just too much that it's too whatever spread out. I'm sure other people agree. Bob Iger apparently agrees, but I don't think a lot of people really care what he he says. I'm I I don't know if I'm just so you know whatever I I I'm enjoying all the Marvel stuff and I want more. I, I I don't see it as a bad thing, so people are are complaining about like like oh some you know we're, we're seeing like D list characters and stuff like that, but I I just want to want to see it all. I think it's it's good that we have different things you know because we have stuff like Guardians out in the space and uh, you know people are saying that like Captain America or Falcon Winter Soldier didn't really do anything or Hawkeye didn't really do anything. I, I mean I loved Hawkeye, so I I just i I don't think you may know, maybe the shows don't have the big grand scope of the movies, but maybe that's how it should be. you know let's you know the since the the shows can slow you know go into a story, you know you don't have to rely on a big huge impacting s- story, whatever. just you know i i'm I'm fine with seeing like some downtime of the characters and you know seeing what they're doing. I don't know why people are complaining. Although what I <laughs> might be complaining about in uh, November, there's going to be a new in the comics. Now we're talking. There's going to be a new host for Venom. Venom comics. I am. I I stopped reading them. Obviously, if if you've been listening to Comic Talk, and I I'm not a fan of Dylan Brock being Venom, Eddie's son who somehow got older. I'm still kind of confused with what happened to Eddie. If he's dead or alive, and now he's on—is he on Earth? And now he's in the Red Venom. But he, but apparently, the new host is going to be Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff. <laughs> She's going to be the new Venom host. And Marvel has released an image of what she looks like in a symbiote. And I, I just don't understand. <laughs> okay. She's a Black Widow, so she's got Spider, Venom, Spider-Man. No, there's no connection. It makes no sense. I mean, is, is she still going to be shooting webs? Because Venom can. Does it still? I don't even know. That's how I know about Venom these days. I, I just, I I don't understand. It's like, let's go back to the Kelly Thompson Black Widow series. I mean, that was so good. <laughs> and then the last bit of news. I thought this was a joke at first. So, and there's gonna be um, in Batman Robin series, which I don't think the first one has come out yet. So Josh Joshua Williamson is writing this, which that should be good, right? He's he's a great writer. In Batman Robin number two, they're gonna introduce a female version of Hush, and her name is gonna be <laughs> her name is gonna be Shush. <laughs> i got nothing else to say about that we'll see but let's just let's cut to the chase that's going to be the news for a week uh with comic books at image comics we had bone orchard tenement number two so this is a 10 issue series this is jeff lanier and andrea sorrentino this comic kind of there's nothing disturbing or anything like that, but it kinda creeps me out a little bit, even though and I, what I think it is, I think it's on Andrea Sorrentino's art because it's it's so moody. I mean it's it's so good. And so we have this this tenement, so it's like the seven neighbors of tenement seek to answer the question, who or what is a soul? Will they find the answer before the unholy terror is already upon them? Uh, so you know, there's these seven different random people we saw in the first issue, and there's like really no connection aside from them, aside, you know, beside uh, them being in, in this tenement. But then this one dude does something, kills himself, and and there's something with these keys. So it's like, what is going? And it's, I'm I'm so fascinated, intrigued by what's what's going to happen. Like, what is their connection, and what do they have to do, and everything. So I. I highly highly recommend this. 8 Billion Genies Deluxe Edition came out. If if you haven't read that series, you should definitely check that out. And here, I realize I, I thought I read all the normal image that I read. Click click boom, number 2 came out. So I was I liked the first one. So the first one is we have this uh, like assassin she's she's mute and she speaks through like she used Polaroid pictures, and and she, you know, whatever. And she's trying to find out what happened to her. Was there a grandfather? So um, yeah, I'm 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 curious about this. I I need to to check that out. So I feel bad I didn't read that. Um, monstrous mon monstrous number forty six came out. I feel bad that I'm so behind on that. Newburn is back. So Newburn is a uh, Chip Zdarsky and David Brothers writing. Um, I think. Nick Dragoda, did he do the art in this? When Newburn is asked to investigate a missing mafioso, Emily begins to wonder how far he's willing to go for his work and to protect himself. Basically, Newburn is this guy who he's kind of like a liaison between or amongst like all the crime families and the police. You know, so, he, in, in a lot of ways, he, he's kind of untouchable. He's, you know, he's amassed this reputation and power and and he it, it's just it's very interesting with that but he that you know there there are still threats against him you know made to to him and now he's he's working with this woman that he kind of he kind of saved her in a way she had a bit of a history and stuff so even though you know he's in this position where he has like it's i don't even know if you'd call it power whatever but he understands that he there's certain things that he has you know he has to play by certain rules otherwise he could lose that position so it's just it's pretty pretty intriguing um nightclub number six i so i never read this i still haven't read the second issue i I have to read that old dog number six um so this is the end of the story eric and and it i'm assuming there's gonna be more after this so this is a declan shelby comic with issue five, I don't think I went into detail of what happened, but there was it was like what the heck is going on there's like a big big change for one of the characters and then in this issue it was almost kind of weird I almost felt like I looked away for a second because there there's like wait I'm not really sure what's going on and then we get this like big revelation and it's just like holy crap and and that kind it, it kind of makes some things that have happened in the past make sense now you know there's there some things because with our, our main dude he was like in a coma and there's like there's some discrepancies and everything and you know like with what he remembers and and stuff so now we kind of find out like a little bit more like why there's some discrepancies it's not just a matter of you know being in a coma or whatever so um yeah, it's I, I'm I'm interested in, in what's going on there. Um, Rogue Sun Fourteen. I was gonna, gonna gonna read this, even though I th- I think last I think I did read or skim through at least the previous issue, and there's kind of like a crazy last page reveal. So yeah, I I liked this series in the beginning, but I kind of fell off, and I know I've I've explained that before. And then oh my goodness, speaking of like last page crazy reveals, World Tree Number Four. This is uh, James the IV, and this this I'm so this is another one I'm so intrigued with this comic, and it's also very disturbing, and so basically these kids like end of high school where they they kind of discover what they call the undernet. It's like you know internet below the internet and maybe it's, it's another world or something like that so there's like all these crazy bad things in there and they they figured out a way to shut it down and you know they they went through a lot which we don't have the full details but then you know they kind of went their separate ways over the years and then now like 20 i don't even know how long it's been 20 years later maybe i don't think it's been more less than that i don't think it's more but it's it's basically it's happening again, and uh, there's this strange naked woman going around killing people. But the thing also with this undernet, this whatever, that it just like fries your mind and it can control you, and you just. So it's like, what is her motive? What's going on here? And uh, we we get a, a, we don't get nearly any answers, but we get a per yeah. Something pretty crazy is is revealed, and I totally didn't see that coming. Even in looking back, with something else that happens in this issue, like you, you kind of should see it coming, but I didn't, and I was just like, "Oh my goodness, that was just just pretty pretty crazy." At Marvel Comics, we had Amazing Spider-Man number thirty, and I. I I'm, I'm still... I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on. I, I didn't love this. So we have Doc Ock. He's trying to get revenge against Spider-Man and Norman Osborn. And Spider-Man linked up with Doc Ock's old arms, te- tentacles or whatever. Because he came up with these, these newer ones. And he's, he's mad at Norman because he embarrassed him. Because he outsmarted him. So he just wants his revenge. And... Spoiler: Last issue, he's, he's like an inject him with with the goblin serum, but you know Norman's not evil or anything, you know. So is is that gonna be bad? But yeah, and and that that's really all all this issue was about it was like Doc Ock trying to get revenge, and yeah, I just I don't know. And but I, I'm assuming you know because we have this new Doc Ock coming in, and I'm still not sure what I mean, I don't know if if there's details out there. Maybe there, there were th- more details at Comic-Con about the superior Spider-Man return. I don't know. Okay, then we have um, the Avengers, number two, the Jed McKay Avengers. And there's, like, this group of, like... Are they aliens? But they're they're basically... Uh, so this is going back to what King the Conqueror was, was talking about. And the, these groups are, like, basically demolishing cities across the earth you know they've all kind of chosen different ones and they're doing different things and um so avengers have to split up to try to stop them so that was fine um then there's avengers beyond number five which this would be a fine comic i just don't like the the way the beyonder is being used and like other like sort of revelations that we had and if and again this is leaning towards it that they're being beyonders which um reminds me i should have mentioned this in the news that there is going to be like a a callback to secret wars so tom defalco and pat O'Leaf, i believe are gonna be working it's i think it's only be four issues and they're gonna kind of give us some revelations answer questions or give us an answer to questions we didn't even know we had about things that happened during secret wars so it's supposed to be you know it sounds cool uh but and i love S- secret wars so that's why this avengers beyond stuff i don't know how i feel about it what do you what ha- well, we'll see okay then there was cosmic Ghost Rider, which i didn't read cult of carnage which i am never cult of carnage misery no way no never um daredevil echo um, issue three i'm i'm just i'm not digging the series you know it it's Interesting how it's delving into the past, uh, like the ancestors of Matt Murdock and, and echo. But I, I, I guess, cause you got like this cult and like, Oh, sacrifice and demons and blah, blah. I just, it's not doing it for me. Uh, Deadpool nine. I didn't even, I didn't look at that. Um, I'm not reading ghost Rider, <laughs> so, but I, I did read hollows Eve number five. I don't like this character. I do not like this Janine. No, she's Janine. I don't like this evil beyond. What's her name? The boss. Of, but there's something about this. Uh, yeah. So you know, Janine is trying to get her masks back that she got from Madeline Pryor. And so it, it's. I guess overall, I mean, definitely you know not my favorite comic series by any means, but it was an okay story considering i'm not the only reason i would possibly care about this character is because ben riley cares about her you know she's ben riley's girlfriend but just with what happened in that spider-man beyond story arc it just makes no sense how they just they they get so messed up and and there is mention of ben riley in this issue so we get kind of get an update um hellcat issue 5 I, I was kind of losing a little interest in this series, you know, and, you know, there's stuff like what the heck is going on with, with with Patsy and with her past, and did she kill someone? Did she not? Is she responsible? And then we got Sleepwalker here, which is, yeah, cool, but it's like, what, why is he here? And so we, we get some answers about, like, what exactly she may or may not have done. Um, but, yeah. I just, I'd, yeah, I don't know. Um, Incredible Hulk issue two. So... I've, I've mentioned over the past like couple volumes of Incredible Hulk that I'm not you know I I missed the Peter David days and and I, I get I totally accept that that's that's a long time ago, but you you know the Immortal Hulk and I know a lot of people love that I I didn't really care for a lot of this like the Green Door and all the crazy mind stuff and then uh, Starship Trooper <laughs> spaceship Hulk. That was okay. So now here, you know, we are kind of returning a little bit closer to what I would want. But we have, you know, Hulk back on Earth, and you know, we got the conflict between Hulk and Banner. But we also have there are some elements of like the Green, you know, and and there's going to be this confrontation, this threat going on. But it is kind of interesting seeing Banner like back to like the days of kind of wandering around. Trying to avoid turning into the Hulk to prevent the Hulk from like hurting or killing, you know, people, you know, destroying cities and what whatnot. So we have this interesting um, direction going on here, and and there's this new person who has kind of, you know, came across Banner and wants to go on, you know, and wherever he's going. Uh, But yeah, so. But this, with this group, these people that he's going to be going up against, we'll see. I mean, I'll try to remain optimistic, I guess. Invincible Iron Man. Uh, this so you, this takes place after Hellfire Gala, which there are things I need to talk about. That so I should probably talk about that. For I mean, so this in, in itself is is basically uh you can kind of see you know there, there's a bit of Emma Frost in here with the follow of what happened in the X-Men gala it we're we're starting to see cuz we know that Tony and Emma are supposedly getting married later this year and you're you're kind of seeing not that there's like any romantic interest in but just the the interactions they have you know i i i do wonder if it's if it's going to be mere, merely like a business Arrangement, or are they actually going to fall for each other? I guess we'll see. Um, but this this stupid Orcus organization, I just I can't stand the fact that they were able to do a, like a hostile takeover Stark Enterprises, and he owns like all the suits and patents, and that's just. Uh, but it's Jerry Duggan, so I have to, you know, have faith in that. She Hulk fifteen um this, this was this uh what was this swindler guy's name uh, i forgot the guy's name this this thief um he's not Rass, what i forget what his name is but you know he's had this crush on on She-Hulk and Dave it kind of seems like she's got a crush on him you know even though she's with Jack of Hearts but Jack of Hearts has kind of been distant lately and and because he can't control his energy absorption and if he they, he gets too close to she hulk he's gonna absorb her gamma energy you know away from her and all this stuff and so she agrees to you know she's trying to figure out what this swindler dude what is his name and uh she finds out that the dude actually stole a bomb for this group and they're like gonna destroy manhattan and she's like dude what are you doing it's like my i live there my friends are there and he's like oh i'll take take you away and so, um, yeah, and then we get a big fight, silk <laughs> issue three I'm just i am I'm not enjoying this story. It's like, oh, let's make silk fall asleep and go into these dream worlds, and basically they're they're trying to it's a what's her name the, the enemy from the last series. Trying to absorb silk's energy and I don't know if it's part of it because she's like a conduit for The spider totem and all that and they're trying to bring this demon back because basically if they can Bring the demon back then the demon will be indebted to whoever helped this so this one evil lady thinks that she can use that Uh, I don't know and then okay so spider-man india number two came out i didn't read storm issue three came out um there's a darts vader black white and red so i didn't read issue three so i didn't read this one but there's some interesting stuff there ultimate invasion i'm still not sure how i feel about this series and it's not exactly what i thought it was going to be which is is good because it's a It's not just like, let's somehow go back to the ultimate universe because that doesn't exist. But we have ultimate universe Reed Richards. And he's messing with some other, I guess it must be other like worlds, other realities. And I'll just say what happens here, he kind of goes, he he gets a hold or designs or whatever, a, a time machine. He goes back and like messes some things up. And, you know, it doesn't affect him anyway because it's not his his earth. So you can do whatever. I'm just, you know, this is only the second issue. But it's, I, I guess I'm, I'm not really sure where this is going to go. So we'll see. Venom 23. I actually skimmed through this. And, you know, we do see Natasha in here. I'm pretty sure it's her, right? But, yeah, I just, I, I don't want to read that. What if dark spider gwen so <laughs> what what What? one the main thing that bothers me is that there's no title here it's not like what if spider-man became the hulk you know it's just you got this basically what, what it is it's um what if on the night of the fateful battle against the green goblin peter parker aka the amazing spider-man had died not gwen stacy I guess it's too long to fit on the cover what's cool about this and I don't know I haven't like checked but we we get like this old school intro we get uh one two three four pages showing that the confrontation between spider-man and green goblin I feel like they just reprinted those pages but I, I could be wrong It the the art and the color it looks just like it and uh Jerry Conway is credited as you know co-plotting so maybe it, you know, they, which is a good thing, you know, you're if you're basing it off the story arc, the story, they should get some credit for that. So, so that's good. But I don't know if he was actually involved in cope and plotting this. What happens after? Uh, so, I, I've been not the biggest fan of the what if comics in recent years because it seems like usually they, they're, you know, they, they pick some incident. They flip a switch and then everything just you know all the poop and and the entire like city hits the fan at once. It's like as as horrible as a situation as possible, that's what happens. So here it, it is kind of interesting, uh, you know, because we, we as as I mentioned, Peter, you know, Spider-Man's Peter is gonna die, Gwen Stacy survives. What is she gonna do after that? Cause this is regular Gwen Stacy, this isn't Spider Gwen, so she doesn't have spider powers. But I will say that during the death she that this is when she discovers that peter was spider-man so she's trying to figure out what she can do about that and um so it, it, was, it was an interesting issue i this is something that i wouldn't mind if it was like a mini-series you know just just to see the story flesh out a little more then we had um wolverine 35 uh, this is continuing wolverine versus beast you know so beast left Krakoa he you know was using Wolverine as a weapon and just committing murders and, and stuff like that so it kind of resolves a, a bit um, most of that stuff but that's uh, uh yeah it, it the main thing is this like Wolverine's talks to Sage and he's like you know you should be leading X-Force and I'll be around if you need me but I'm not hanging out on Krakoa because he's got you know problems with that then the last X Men book that I'm gonna talk about is uh, Fall of X number one. So this is the the Hellfire Gala. What's interesting is they they address. So there's gonna be some spoilers here, and I'm I'm sure it's all out there, but I I have to I have to mention some things. Otherwise, it's just gonna be it's, it sounds stupid to me like tiptoeing around it. So let's uh, skip past whatever the time code actually no there's no time because i saw talk about dc so me like a minute or two if that so we we, we find out about kamala because as we know as was spoiled as was put out in press release kamala as a mutant she's gonna be an x-man so we see like the aftermath of her resurrection and you know she's shocked and everything like that the the big thing that comes up here that we won't know and who knows when it'll be addressed because then yeah, at one point she's like wait if i'm a mutant, what's my mutant power So that'll be interesting, but basically they're they're trying to say you know we bumped you up in the in a queue, and the while you know she's a beloved character and obviously Cyclops has you know he's known her when he was on the Champions when the younger version younger Cyclops, but they're also saying thinking that she could be sort of like, not necessarily ambassador but you know she can, be good for their PR you know and. Since you know mutants are kind of getting a, a bad reputation thanks to Orcus or Orcus or whatever their stupid group is, but then mainly what this issue deals with is basically it's it's it is a mutant massacre in in, in some ways where oh so we we do see the new supposed new X Men team. Um, so I I don't know if this is gonna stick, but we're supposed to have. Cannonball, which I don't even think he had like a single line of dialogue in this issue. We have Talon and Sync. So Talon's the older version of of Laura, of FX23. Uh, We have Prodigy, and we have Frenzy, and we have Dazzler, Jubilee, but what about Shoujo? Shoujo? I don't know. And Juggernaut. My question about Juggernaut because things are constantly changing Juggernaut is not a mutant and I'm totally fine with him being on a team if, even though he's not a mutant you know I, I why should X-Men just be mutants you know if they're trying to enforce the or promote the idea of you know unification or whatever you know mutants and humans you know they don't have to hate each other and all that why then you you just have a team of just x-men that seems like you're being racist or speciesist or whatever but the mm. only thing is if he's not a mutant does that mean they can't resurrect him i'm still unclear on that cuz it you know they're they're saying it was only mutants but then i think no they they can cuz they captain america died during a judgment whatever thing so i think they can bring back humans I don't even know, um, but basically, the big evil plan is launched, and um, I won't go into specifics how because you should read the issue. But basically, m- mutants get their butts kicked like major, big time. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what this what this means. Uh, I'll just say there are like a lot less. There's there's like no mutants left. There's like, I don't even think there's a couple dozen left. I I could flip back through the pages. But there's going to be very few mutants. And um, it's weird. Uh, The idea of Krakoa was was interesting in the beginning. I, I do think it got a little out of hand. I do think all this resurrection stuff was weird. And then X Men having all this world power and economy and stuff like that. What's great it seems like they deserve it after all these years, but it just seems so far off from who they used to be and so now all that's gone. I don't know. Well, yeah, so I guess we'll we'll see what's what's gonna happen after that. As far as DC, so I didn't didn't read very much DC. One, as I mentioned, because I was traveling didn't really have time, and I'm am having some uh, technical issues with with DC, and yeah, so I, I I don't need to go into details of that, but I didn't read very much DC. So I did read uh, Superman: The Last Days of Lex Luthor. So this is by uh, Mark Wade and Brian Hitch. It's a Black Label book so it's 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 going to cost you a little more 6.99 it's it's a longer longer book longer issue it is kind of interesting you know yeah it jumps back you know we we get some we see some flashbacks with like clark and lex and smallville you know so obviously it's kind of we've seen different incarnations of of lex's origin and all that but it is interesting cuz basically lex is dying cuz obviously so last days of lex luthor so what does that mean what is he willing to do and what is superman going to do and and uh, so yeah there's there's some i'm i'm intrigued with this and it's mark wade and you know i just i really dig what what he he does okay now as far as rest i didn't read very much aside from this one of the reasons i felt okay with this is because I, i'm not loving these these, these uh night terror books so he did release night terrors 2 so that's like the main book it, you know it deals so we have dead man in batman's body you know so he can have a cor- corporal body to talk to people and then uh wesley what's his name the golden age sandman he's somehow resurrected and it had, you know, there, there's we get a little bit more insight on who insomnia was and with the with the nightmare stone was that what it's called I forget, but yeah not 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 a whole lot. As I'm looking at these other issues, you know, because I, I did read most of Night Terrors action comics. This was focusing um, the main part focused a lot on on Power Girl which I thought was, was interesting. Cause I, you know, I, I think she's a cool character. So it's, I'm, gr- I'm glad we're seeing more of her, not super crazy about this new version of her. We're kind of getting, but we'll see. But you know, a lot of this is just like, Oh, this is your worst. It's your worst nightmare. This isn't real. So what does it matter? So we're, we're seeing what maybe their biggest fears might be. I don't know. And the same thing with like, uh, night terrors, Titans, I So I read those, um, but then there was uh, also Night Terror's Detective Comics. I didn't read that, and I, I'm sure I will read these, maybe. Pardon me, it's like, I, should I even bother? Uh, let's see, wait, Batman Beyond Neo-Gothic? I didn't read that. Is that an issue? Um, Night Terror's Harley Quinn. I should have read that. I was, But, again, it, it, there's no almost like there's no point in my opinion. Um then there is also Night Terror's Angel Breaker. Who the heck is Angel Breaker? Am I supposed I I probably should know, but I, I don't. And uh so that's like almost everything that DC put out this week. The only other thing which I did read most of let me just double check. Cause I think everything else was a trade. Batman Brave and the bold came out and this is a Kind of anthology ones and i'm trying to think what what the stories were we did um there's there's like the storm watch stuff which i kind of skimmed that that was a second story but i only care about that because ravagers in there um i'm trying to think what the main story was there's a is there is a batman gotham uh whatever um but then there's a superman story which is like this this callback you know the style um, and that was good and then uh, the last one I didn't read it was yeah like black and white and very It's it's kind of, is it I feel like it's trying to be like kind of like a manga ish but yeah I didn't read that and um yeah that that was it so I I didn't read anything else and I'm just I'm not not digging these these night terror it's kind of I don't think I've mentioned this but I've been thinking about this it's it's kind of been making me think about like when we had Convergence and we had this like two-month or none of the regular books were were published and everything was dealing with these convergence stories and you had all these two issue miniseries looking at this different Earth or, or whatever or the characters somewhere else doing all that and the reality of it is the reason we had convergence was because this was when dc was moving from new york to burbank and writers were also given like a two months off to move if they were moving or just you know whatever get get caught up or get ahead and so we had a lot of these mini series and some were written by regular writers and some were written by other writers who hadn't you know, written stuff. And and we had some, some cool stories and we had a lot that were just kind of unforgettable or kind of forgettable, not memorable. Is that what I'm trying to say? So I feel like that this is kind of the same thing. So even though the main book is being spearheaded by Joshua Williamson, who is like, he's like the Brian Michael Bendis now at DC. I feel like, you know, he's he's taking on so much, you know, bravo for him, but just I you know, take care of yourself, dude. You know, don't overwork yourself. But you know, he's he's doing it and I, I I'm not not critiquing his his work ethics or anything like that cuz you know, he's he's pumping out a lot of really good stuff. But with this, I just feel like I don't know, for for me and, and I think as I'm getting older, maybe I'm getting grumpier, but maybe I, I feel like I'm just getting pickier. And I, I'm looking at some of these while I'm kind of intrigued with, you know, like I said, the Harley Quinn one was kind of interesting. There's just no point reading it because, and, and you may get a semblance of something that may carry over into a regular series where there might be some insight a character may have learned about themselves or whatever, but I doubt it. I feel like all of these, you know, they, they, they could serve an entertainment purpose you know they could provide that entertainment where like it could be cool to see these characters in these dark places you know maybe if you were into that for me with my time being so stretched and all that it's not what i'm looking for right now and i don't have time to just sit back and and read that and i'm not going to enjoy it because i'm like why am i reading this why am i not getting a regular superman story that you know is being put on pause because of this. So that's how I'm looking at this where I I feel like maybe I'm I'm a little bitter because we have this stuff going on. And then of course there's just like the issues I'm having with with DC, but that's another story. So that is going to be comic book talk for this week. Let's move on. Okay, then with The Crowded Room, season uh, season 1, episode 9, Family. So we see Candy's doing some dishes, the phone rings, Marlin's at, t- at the table and he's like, are you gonna get that? And you know, she's like, oh, what? she says, oh, it's probably magazine sales. Cause you know, they've been calling people all down the street or whatever. And as, as he, when he's done eating, there's like a kind of like a little half counter, like half window, whatever, between the, like the dining area and the kitchen. He just puts his, his dishes there. He's like, he, he can't even take them to the sink. And uh, so he asked her, he's like, he's like, did you get my suit? And she's like, well, I'll pick it up on my way home. I don't like this guy. So she goes to work at the hospital. And then this other nurse tells her that that guy Stan called again. And, you know, she's like, I told him you were with the patient. And she's like, you got to admire the persistence. So she's just like totally ignoring Stan, the, the lawyer at night. Marlon complains the suit feels tight. Well, it's like, dude, you probably gained some weight. And she's like, well, they said they let it out as much as they could. Phone rings again. They both look at the phone. Then she's like, those fudging magazines. And he's like, "He's like, you screwing someone behind my back, Candy?" And she looks at him, and then she goes to answer. But he does, he's like, hello, hello? Then he hangs up. He's like, listen, I don't want you answering the phone until after the trial's over. You got me? And then she just nods. But this is like a ridiculous, stupid accusation. Okay, so she works all the time. She's picking up his suits and whatever and doing cooking doing his dishes yet she's supposed to have time to have an affair mm-hmm. she sneaks and he's the one that's like off having you know drinks at the bar or after work when the detective's on there so then uh she sneaks in the bathroom she you know on the shelf there's like some newspaper clippings that you know she hid behind like cosmetics or whatever and then she starts like crying and like trying to muffle her sobs because She's not allowed to go to court because of Marlon. He doesn't want her to go. At prison, prisoners are taking his room. Danny, is like he's one of them. He gets like shut forward by a guard because he's not moving fast enough. Then he and the others are like dressing up. so it must be like they almost um, all have court dates. He gets cuffed, they got on prison bus. they arrive at the courthouse. He's directed straight to the courtroom and stands like it's like, "Oh, I told her to get you a clip on because you know, he's got his tie. Then he asks a guard if he can get his cuffs. Then he asks for a moment with his his client and he starts fixing his collar and everything. And then he whispers, he's like, it's fine. And Stan's like, it's not. He like takes the tie off completely. He's like, relax, because there's not a person in this courtroom whose opinion counts. Not yet anyways. Then he's like, I'll set your honor. So the judge orders the jury to be brought in patricia addresses the jury she says, as the judge told you the burden of proof in this courtroom is on me i welcome it i welcome it because the proof in this case is indisputable undeniable there's video there are witnesses the only thing that there isn't is doubt danny sullivan aimed a 38 caliber pistol into a crowd and fired six times three people were wounded the rest were lucky make no mistake the only reason this isn't a murder trial is because daniel sullivan is a lousy shot he belongs behind bars but with the evidence so provable so irrefutable one wonders what will the defense do they cannot deny the facts so they will divert you from them by making unfounded and unproven claims about the condition they call multiple personality disorder let me be clear there is no such thing as multiple personality disorder it is a made-up condition from a sally field movie no less and danny kind of like looks back at rio so patricia's like they might as well claim the defendant is a flying nun the jury laughs the defense blames mr sullivan's actions on what they call an altar now, I can admit, I get the appeal. Don't we all wish we could blame our mistakes on someone else? Run a red light? Blame an altar. Bounce a check? Blame an altar. Cheat on a spouse? Well, we'll see how that one flies. More laughs. But can you imagine our judicial system if every time someone committed a crime, they could simply say, it wasn't me. That's what's at stake here. These arguments from the defense, they're more than desperate. They're dangerous because they undermine the bedrock principle of both our legal system and our society. Personal responsibility. We are responsible for our actions. The defendant is guilty and that guilt demands punishment. Otherwise, there can be no justice. Thank you. Judge calls stands. He pauses for a moment, kind of looks looks down, holds up his hand and counts off. Indisputable. Undeniable irrefutable he's like you know what makes that makes a guy wonder why am i even here that was some opening from the prosecution bedrock principles well here's a bedrock principle for you points at danny he's innocent he has the presumption of innocence it is his right now this bears repeating because of everything you just heard so let me begin by saying it clearly and as a simple statement of fact daniel sullivan didn't didn't shoot anyone he was there he admits as much but he didn't pull the trigger. Danny's a good kid, but he's a sick kid. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, no one is making up a condition now. I get how it sounds. Multiple personality disorder. You know, at first, I had a hard time wrapping my head around it. I saw. But instead of making flying nun jokes, which is easy, I kept an open mind, which is hard. I like that. That was a good one. And that's what I'm asking you of you, to keep an open mind, Let listen to the experts, listen to the witnesses, because if you do, you'll arrive at the same indisputable, undeniable, irrefutable conclusion that I did, which is that Danny has no control over his illness or his alters. Yeah, he's got alters. He's got alters because he was hurt in unimaginable ways that broke him. It broke his mind into pieces. And no, they are not some get out of jail free card. They are real and they are not Danny. To send danny to prison for a crime that one of his alters committed would be the same as you going to jail for a crime that i committed now danny's illness is rare and it is a result of being exposed to sexual abuse as a child frankly he's lucky to have survived this illness is how he survived i get it it's weird it's hard but please keep an open mind Now, the prosecution was right about one thing this trial is about responsibility but it's not personal responsibility it's societal responsibility I mean, you want to talk about the bedrock principles? How about we just take care of each other? How about we take care of the most hurt and most vulnerable among us? Everybody has failed this kid. His parents, his teachers, his neighbors, his friends, his community. All of us have failed him. So now it is on us to make it right. Now I'm not asking you to set Danny free. I'm only asking that you spare him prison and instead send him to a hospital to get help. The help that he needs. That is our responsibility. Thank you. The judge calls for a 15-minute recess. Then they proceed to the state witnesses. Raya smiles and nods at Danny when they have to rise. So Raya tells Stan that, that he was actually pretty good in there. He's like, yeah. He's like, pretty good. Doesn't matter. You know. He's like, Candy's not returning my calls. And she ignored her subpoena, by the way, which is a crime. And Raya's like, she's scared. She's guilty. There's you know so much shame. She might not even admit it to herself. And he's like, ill. No, all fairness. You think I'd give a poop how she feels? The case turns on a diagnosis and the diagnosis depends on showing the jury that Danny was abused. I just said it in there. If we don't get someone to testify to this in open court, we are done and I'm handcuffed because I can't put my client on a stand because of that BS he pulled in the hearing. She's like, that was Jack, that wasn't Danny. Whoever it was, he's gonna deny it abuse and admit to the crime, which would be bad. And she's like, I am well aware, you? You know I can't testify to his abuse. Technically, Danny never said he was abused. He never told me that. And he's like, only Adam. She's like, only Adam. And Stan's like, it's fudging useless. She's like, well, what are we gonna do? He's like, you gotta convince her. But that's not up to me, Stan. He's like, doesn't mother have to love her kid? She's like, no. But in this case, that's what we have going for us. He's like, what? It's like she does love him. Marlon gets called at a stand. Patricia asks him how he would describe his relationships with his stepson. He's like, strained. It pains me to admit. Look, I'm not perfect. And maybe sometimes I've been too hard on him. Maybe other times not hard enough. The kids I see up at Osterville most never had a father, not a real one. And I wanted to be that for Danny. It's like, what does all this matter, his job? I was like, whatever. And she's like, tell me about Osterville. Tough job, rewarding job. These these kids have had every disadvantage. You wouldn't believe what they survived in their homes, on the streets. Sure, they've made mistakes. But the thing I love about my job is there they're still kids and it's not too late for them to find their way back. You feel that way about Danny? Oh, I'll never give up on Danny, but he's not a kid anymore. And this thing, he's like, he wants to help Danny, but he gets called for the defense and he runs a prosecution to be their witness. So then then he's like, she's like, given your relationship with him, do you have any idea why he did what he did? And he like looks at Danny, Danny like looks down. I honestly don't. Truth is, with Danny, there is no why. When he was picking fights at school or stealing from me or dealing drugs or using the why, why is just Danny. But it's like, okay, you have to mention he picks fights and stealing. Just one more question, Mr. Reed. At any point after you were shot, did you report your stepson to, to the authorities? No. Why not? Because I wanted to protect him. Because in spite of everything, I love them like my own son. And Raya just gives like a holy spit like eye roll expression no further questions so candy's like watching news about the case at home just talk of like nine eyewitnesses including his own stepfather identified him as a shooter at rockefeller then she hears Marlon like get home arrive so she turns off the tv goes back to like slicing vegetables and he's like smells good he's probably like trying to make himself feel better because he's such a piece of crap and then she's like how did he seem and it's, it's just ridiculous it's crazy that he's not allowing her to go but Marlon's like then I don't know it, it's not like we talked or anything um how would I look and then she turns she's like you're kidding right and he's like what I'm just trying to do the right thing the, the kid shot at me candy so then later he's asleep in front of the tv the phone rings and she looks at him then she answers she's like stop calling I'm not testifying and, and then you hear mom she's like Danny so he's calling from a, like a payphone at, at the, the jail or whatever prison or courthouse and she's like, I, I meant to come see you. And he's like, it's okay, I'm sorry. And she's like, baby, this is not your fault. And he's like, I'm sorry. And he hangs up So and she just sits there like holding the phone. And she's like, cause she, she, she does care about him. Next day she's on a train. On the court steps, this, the other doctor dude, the other expert is telling re- reporters, this isn't even a real diagnosis. It's just a fringe theory amplified by a TV movie. And then one someone asked him, then what do you make of Danny? I'll tell you the same thing I told the jury. I believe Mr. Sullivan is a malingerer acting in bad faith to avoid criminal consequences. And someone's like, in layman's terms, for the folks at home, he's faking it to keep himself out of jail. And Candy's like right behind him, like lighting up a cigarette listening. So then we see Angelo on the stand. So he's like the, the drug dealer dude. He's talking about trying to get uh, Danny would be reasonable, and he was blindsided, got his nose broke. It's like, yeah, that's what you want to call it. And he stole his gun anyways. And he's asked if he attempted to retrieve his gun. He says he did. He went to his house because he was pissed. They had history, so he figured that you know they could work something out. Got as far as a hello before he attacked him with a baseball bat. But it's like, that he wasn't attacked by a baseball bat. Angela had a bat. That's how he, he broke the window. And Annabelle should have been able to should be able to testify that so he attacked him with the baseball bat then he shot at him and she's like no further questions your honor stan says that he's like i just have one question he's like you've known danny for for years and all that time has he ever seemed normal and angela's like normal (laughs) he's like that boy's nuts craziest sob i know jury laughs no further questions now annabelle's on this on the stand it's like okay ask her about the bat she's like i was scared i'd never seen danny like that before then i heard the shot patricia's like what did you think when you heard the gunshot i thought he'd killed him you believed danny sullivan to be capable of murder and she's like in that moment yes no further questions stan gets up and he kind of whispers he's like hi annabelle and he's like was danny ever violent with you no he ever make you feel unsafe no was he ever mean abusive no never then what was he like the danny you knew your friend he was sweet he was quiet shy mostly mostly he was yeah sometimes not so shy he was a uh, a little all over the place stands like i'd like to refer the witness to defense exhibit four and gets danny's sketchbook you recognize this drawing she's like yeah danny drew it it's it's you yep it's good yeah it's good And Stan's like, Danny really cared about you, didn't he? And she's like, she kind of nods. She's like, I cared about him too. Stan says, early in your testimony, now I'm referring to the night with Mr. Ruiz, Angelo. You said, I'd never seen Danny like that. How do you reconcile that night, that Danny with the boy that you knew, the sweet and quiet, never violent, shy, but sometimes not the boy who drew this picture? And the DA whispers like something to her, like co-counselor. Annabelle shakes her head and stands like, doesn't seem like the same person, does it? No, no further questions. And Raya's like, whew. Patricia asks for a redirect. To the best of your knowledge, in a time you knew him, was the encounter with Mr. Ruiz the only occasion that Danny Sullivan was ever violent? Stan's like, objective, irrelevant. And she's like, the question speaks to the defendant's history of violence. Overruled was the encounter the only occasion that Danny Sullivan was ever violent Annabelle says no back in high school I had this boyfriend Bill which I I guess they were boyfriends I wasn't sure Danny got jealous he beat him pretty bad which is absolutely not how it happened he put him in a hospital another kid too at the time I told myself was a freak thing maybe Bill deserved it now I'm not so sure but it's like they were chasing him down the streets no further questions So then Raya splashes some water in her face in the bathroom. Is she wiping tears away? Then she sees Candy walk by as she exits. So she's going to go smoke another cigarette. Raya follows. And it's like, she says, they're off to stalk your son at the side exit. Apparently, Perp Walk sells papers. Even the same Perp Walk twice a day. Do you want to see him? She's like, I can walk you around. And Candy's like, no, not like that. Raya's like, I'm glad you came there's a poopy bar around the corner it's mostly lawyers but at this hour it's not that bad and kenny's like i don't know what you people want from me and it's just like walks away later stands they're like walking he's like please tell me that you convinced her to testify rye's like she came didn't she that's progress stan says progress is for people with time they're painting a picture of a kid who goes after his perfectly nice stepfather shoots up a bunch of innocent people in the process and now he's pretending he hears voices so he can get out of jail it's pretty compelling stuff and she's like who's side are you on Stan?" he's like right now the losing one so she sees her, her sees it today her kid on this on trial and she goes back home to him stays with him it's like god how does that even work raya says maybe we're just not built to survive alone I mean did you know that our brain has these chemical receptors that light up when we make human connections to make us feel like we're safe only sometimes other people aren't safe he's like amen to that raya says i feel like you're gonna make an ex-wife joke he's like i was considering it she says there's a whole world of ways that people hurt each other and he's like you don't know half of it raya says too much pain in rare cases like danny's the mind shatters but most people They find conventional ways of avoiding the pain, like booze and drugs, sex that light up those receptors and stands like those things work. She says, so does being with the wrong person, because at least the pain is familiar to them. If you ask me, I think that if a relationship can break you, then sometimes a relationship can also heal you. He says, please tell me you're not saying love is the answer. I actually am. It's like that arrow story that Jack told Danny, fear of pain is worse than a pain ever was. It sounds like Jack? You mean to make believe Jack? Yeah. We've all been hurt. Some more than others. And we see like candy riding the train back and riot continues talking and we can have a tendency to stay in relationships that are bad those receptors are firing telling us not to risk losing what we have even if it's if it's to find something better for us healthier for us and we see like candy taking like a, a pot out of the oven or something she burns her hand drops it and marlin actually puts a wet washcloth on her hands to try to soothe her right continues We stay with the hurt we know, rather than risk being hurt again. But we have a choice. And we see Candy goes into Danny's room, like looks like like a stuffed rabbit or something like that. Raya continues, The truth is, we always have. We just have to remember to try to keep making it. To remember that other people can hurt us, but they can also help us. That to reach out, to let someone reach back, is a way out of pain. That doesn't mean it's easy, it's hard, terrifying we see stan at a bar then at home danny's like drawing in prison and is like we need to break and Mariah says we need to be brave like danny was brave and ask for help we don't have to be alone so then jerome is on the stand talks about meeting at a club stan says tell me about her what was she like jerome says ariana was something else the way she moved the way she smiled Iridescent. Everyone wanted to be with her. The boys, the girls, and she knew it. She worked it. Stan says, Mr. Williams, do you see Ariana in this courtroom? He's like, no. No? Jerome says, the thing is he's not hurt. Not anymore. Stan says, how can you tell? Everything about him is different. Like the way he sits, curled in so small, and his eyes, which give up everything. Ariana had a rusting poker face. Girl was a brick wall. Not to mention, Danny's straight. So, you know, Danny, you've met Danny. I met him at, at Rikers a few weeks ago. I saw the story in the paper and I went over there. I was just, I was looking to understand, I guess. And what did you find at Rikers? A stranger. And Danny like kind of looks at his hand. He's holding the good luck pendant that Jerome gave him. So Patricia asks, it's her turn. Mr. Williams, did you have a sexual relationship with the defendant? And Jerome says, I had a relationship with Ariana. I didn't ask you what the defendant called himself. I asked if you had a sexual objection. Ashton answered, overruled. She's like, I could put the question in a more graphic terms if you'd like. So Drum's like, yes, we did. And she's like, where? It stands like objection, irrelevant. That question speaks to the true nature of the relationship. Overruled. Where? Drum's like, the men's room. The men's room. How romantic. Couldn't anyone have just walked in, where your encounters in full public view? Jerome's like, we use a stall, Mr. Williams. You never shared a meal with the defendant. Never saw his home, did you? No. Ever meet his friends? No. Well, he didn't have any friends. Family? No. He wasn't talking to his family. Your most intimate moments were in a bathroom stall. How could you possibly have known this man? And Jerome says, there was no this man, there's only Ariana and I knew her. These clubs you frequent, are there ever closeted gay men there? Men with something to hide? Jerome says, sure. So how could you know that Ariana wasn't just an alias, a cover, a lie? And then later we see Candy's getting a hot dog from a hot dog vendor outside. Stan walks up, he's like, oh, it's on me. And she tries to stop him. She's like, Mr. Camisa. He's like, Stan, and please, I got a tab here. So they walk as she eats. He's like, we're going to lose, Candy. Multiple personality disorder is only ever caused by one thing, and we can't prove that it ever happened. And worse, Danny denies it ever happened. Our entire defense is built around this. And she's like, well, you've got the wrong defense, and you should have seen it coming. Stan says, well, why do you think I've been calling you repeatedly? Calling me is not an actual legal strategy. He says, I also subpoenaed you, which is, and you ignored it. I could ask the judge to find you in contempt, you know. And she like kind of stops and give him a stare he's like look please take the stand just tell him what happened to danny she's like are you even aware of the accusation that you're making right now stan says well your husband's a sick man not against my husband against me she's like find me in fudging contempt and she marches off rise stand. she says the mind is an extraordinary thing capable of extraordinary transformations, not just voices, but bodies, skills, playing an instrument, mastering chess, speaking a foreign language, lighting up a room. These aren't things that people can just fake. And these are people who come from every walk of life, every race, every age. There are people who have nothing to gain from a diagnosis that carries a social stigma. Multiple personality disorder is real. And patients with MPD have suffered in ways that most of us cannot comprehend. They deserve empathy and compassion. Stan says, and how have they suffered? Can't anyone just claim to have other personalities inside them? She says, the literature is clear. For the diagnosis to apply, the patients must have experienced severe childhood trauma, usually sexual. At a point in their lives when they are the most vulnerable, the most in need of protection, they are betrayed, usually by someone they trusted. A child's mind isn't Equipped to handle this, it can't manage all of the contradictions. So the psyche fractures, and that is the first altar. The child goes away. Somebody new comes in. Somebody better equipped to navigate a terrifying world. And that's how it begins. It's a defense mechanism against horrific, unfathomable pain. Stan says, "Can you tell me about Danny?" Rise like I first met Danny at the police station after his arrest. Only it wasn't Danny. It was Johnny. And who's Johnny? Johnny is one of Danny's alters. He's a literal escape artist. So when the shackles came out, so did Johnny. So then Patricia asks, so are these descriptions of Danny's so-called personalities facts or speculations? And she says, they are my clinical judgments. Patricia says, did Danny tell you he thought he had multiple personalities And she says, no, but it doesn't. And she cuts her off. In fact, wasn't it you who first introduced the idea to him? And she's like, yes, because the symptoms supported the diagnosis. So you say. But you have a lot writing in this, don't you? And Raya's like, I'm not sure what you mean. Patricia's like, who pays for your research? How do you make a living? And Raya's like, most of my work is funded through grants. Grants, like the Ryling grant? Yes. Which expired last year. Raya says, Yes. And is it true the university just turned down a request from you for additional funding? Raya says, there's only so much to go around and I'm going to reapply in the spring. You have tenure. I'm up for it next year. So with your funding drying up, your major grant expiring, and with tenure on the line, would it be fair to say that this is a make or break moment in your career? Objection. And then she's like, withdraw the question. Would it be fair to say that a high profile case like this Well, this could be a real opportunity for you chance for you to make a name for yourself rye says i don't see my patients as opportunities don't you i mean why else did you walk into that police station was because you were having a sexual relationship with a detective objection who leaked danny's case to you objection sustained take care counselor rye like scoffs and patricia's like why did you follow the defendant to rikers there's a term for lawyers who solicit business like that Ambulance chasers. Objection sustained. Let me put it another way. When you walked into that police station, what were you hoping to find? Rice says, I wasn't hoping to find anything. See, I'm sorry, but I find that hard to believe. You get a tip about a kid, you drop everything, you run halfway across Manhattan. What did you take, the bus, the train? I took the train? You mean to tell me you're not sitting on that train, hoping that this is the one, the one that makes you famous? And, and she's like right in her face now. The one who puts you on the national stage? And she's like, absolutely not. Objection. What do you know? It worked. And stands like, your honor, the witness is not on trial. Sustained, move on, counselor. Okay, doctor, one last question. The defense claims You claim that the cause of Danny's so-called multiple personalities was sexual abuse in childhood. In all your sessions with the defendant, has he ever told you he was sexually abused? Dr. Goodwin, has anyone ever told you or had the defendant ever claimed he was sexually abused? It's a yes or no question. Dr. Goodwin? And she's like, no. No further questions. But it's like... Uh, they never like mention Adam that I mean basically didn't Danny say uh, I don't know I guess he doesn't know necessarily what happened with Adam on the court steps reporters are trying to get right answer defend herself she's walking down you know, she goes goes past through them and then she's like starts breaking down like fighting the tears as she you know is walking away then she goes to that bar restaurant around the corner she has a drink candy enters and she sits So, you were just using him? And Raya's like, Candy, that could not be further from the truth. And Candy's like, and Kamisa, he's out of his depth. Raya's like, Stan's a good lawyer. He's legal aid. Raya says, he's working his ass off. He's falling apart. Raya says, who isn't? Why are you here? Because I know how this ends. I know who you'll all blame. But that's BS. You're the ones who let him down. Raya chuckles. So, Candy, I, I gave your son everything that I have. My heart is broken, but my conscience is clear. So is mine. If that were true, you wouldn't have followed me here in here, and you're wrong. I would never have blamed you. Never. Candy's like BS And Raya sighs. She, I had this patient, Anna, when I was a first year resident, and Anna had been raped six times by six different men over the course of eight years, and Candy, she was nineteen. How do you explain that? There's a phenomenon an awful phenomenon. Victims of abuse survive. They get away only to be abused again by someone else. And I think hearing these stories, my God, these poor people, the unluckiest human beings on a planet. Only it's not luck, it's a fudge up twist of nature because as children, they are forced to relate sexually. They are trained to be abused. Predators are adept at finding their prey. They're picking up on cues that nobody else can see. These cues can be chemical, psychological, behavioral, non-verbal. To the predator, neon signs. And here's a thing that I cannot emphasize enough. None of it is under the victim's control. None of it is a victim's fault. You and Danny were prey, and I suspect Marlin isn't the first predator in your life, and it's not your fault, and it breaks my heart for you. It does. And Candy's like trying to look away and a tear falls on her face. Rice says, because you did nothing to deserve it. So no, I wouldn't blame you for anything. But my hope would be that if you could take the stand, you might finally be able to stop blaming yourself. And she's like, Marlon, do you understand what you're asking? Rice says, guilt or grief, which one can you bear? So Marlon eats and again, doesn't take his dishes to the sink. He's like, you make too much bacon. It's not good for me and candy's at the sink washing like she's in her nurse's uniform she's like i only make it because you like it yeah well i like living too so cut back let's face it i could lose a few but then he still takes the last piece of of bacon off the plate that's in candy's hand we've got to look out for each other and he's like see ya so she marches to you know he he leaves then she goes to the bedroom she takes out an outfit from the closet takes off her uniform. Puts a rust, a bunch of other clothes and things in suitcases, packs them all up in the car, goes to court, gets in the elevator, then a the door stops from closing. Someone puts her arm in there. It's friggin' Marlon, and he's like, "Hi, honey. Thought I'd come by. See you up there." He's like, "I'm not a stupid man, Candy. I know why you're here. I know what you're gonna say, and I'm not even gonna tell you not to say it. You do what you want, but I wouldn't be doing my duty as your husband if I didn't tell you what the words." You say this terrible lie will change the world you live in overnight. I mean, people staring at the AP and whisper all over town. What kind of mother would allow such a thing? Well, you'd lose your husband, of course. You'll also lose your job. Why would she lose her job? And your home, eventually. Worst of all, you will lose the illusion of who you are. And without it, all anyone will see is what you allowed and what you admitted so and we see her like walking in the courtroom to stand and she like stops and she kind of like locks eyes with Danny but Marlon continues like his narration that's all Danny will see and sort of like back in the elevators so you'll lose him too and he gets out of the elevator and leaves her alone so Stan asks her she's on the stand what was Danny like as a kid she says he was a good boy sweet boy but he was always different different how too sensitive I guess tender the, the world's a tough place and we're all each other has stan says miss reed i'm gonna have to ask some difficult questions now you can take your time answering them okay she nods. do you believe your son danny was ever sexually abused objection unless she personally witnessed abuse any answer will be pure speculation stands like your honor most abuse happens in secret without witnesses if the mother of a child isn't considered an expert witness on what happened to her son in her own home who is overruled proceed miss Reed do you believe Danny was ever sexually abused and there's sh- sh- like shots of everyone looking at her the jury Ryan Danny and she's like no stands like I'm sorry let me ask that again and candy says I don't believe he was abused Stan says, "Miss Reed, I understand this is very difficult for you. I just want to remind you that you are under oath. Are you sure there wasn't any kind of abuse? Objection. Are you sure you didn't hear anything? And she sees Marlon like sitting in the back of the court. Asked and answered. Are you sure that you didn't see any sustained? And she's like, no. So then Stan's like, no further questions so Patricia with a smile she has no questions so candy walks past Danny she doesn't even look at him this time the judge says a dull adjourn till tomorrow Journey's is excused they all rise Danny's like slow to get up so candy sits on two plates at the dinner table and it looks like she made like a full course meal Marlon comes home he sits without a word and she like serves him food because he's like he can't even get food put his own food on his plate Danny's sitting in a cell he pulls up the sheet on the mattress the binder clips like kind of tucked in a little hole in the mattress he takes off like the metal part from the, like the black and then he like looks at his hands and then the way the camera is he's doing something and we don't see it it's like is he slicing and then he just kind of like slowly like falls over to his side and you see like blood just gushing out of his arms so he's slit his wrists but it's like did Danny do it did Johnny do it Like, is Johnny doing it, hoping to go to, like, the med bay, med hospital, whatever, infirmary. That's what I'm trying to say. And escape. Oh, God. This is so rough to watch. And speaking of rough to watch with all the traveling that I'm doing, hijack, Uh, episode six, comply slowly. Where it left off, Kai made some notes. You know, he's at his dad's house, at Sam's. He's upstairs. Cleaners are there and they hear a noise upstairs so they go up the one guy looks under bed nothing so thank goodness Kai didn't hide there he, so he goes around he there's like a balcony he goes out there looks out there for a second goes in the bathroom and the, the, the guy's kind of on edge and then like the bathroom windows open a little bit and he closes it it's like did he climb out there but Kai was actually hiding in like this hall closet that the, the guy doesn't bother checking at the prison um, guards go up to Edgar's cell, and he just like smiles. He's like ready. They open the door. Uh, he kind of gives the cell a final look. He walks very confidently with like two officers, or two guards, whatever. He's taken, given his his uh, personal effects back. I, I I'm assuming John the other was let out too because there's another guy there. Then he's like keys. What about the keys? So I, I guess I don't know if they had an SUV impounded. Is that part of? It? I don't understand that. Or maybe he's asking for keys because th- that's part of the deal of getting released so they give him an scv they get in and he says uh, he's like we're gone and then he's like anyone starts following us people start dying in the conference room they're, they're tracking the scv and it's like going slowly so they're hoping to keep things slow to give time for the plane to land and get everyone to safety louise home secretary she says that they can play it slow but that doesn't mean that they will that the bad guys will. daniel and the other officer one of the there's like three cars following he says that they know exactly where they're going it seems like it's a pre-planned route in the conference room they say that they'll probably know that they're being followed so they, they stop on this the uh the SUV where edgar's and stops on this one lane bridge edgar gets out and walks towards him then he reaches in his jacket pocket and daniel's like um he's asking for the advice he's like advise target target may be armed advise and they're like he's not armed and he's like how do you know he's like well the car was checked so then he takes out a phone and he's like he's like what's your name and he's like Daniel he's like here you go Daniel this is for you he puts the phone on the hood of the car and he walks back to his SUV the other guy is driving not Edgar so Daniel gets out the phone rings and then it's edgar on the phone he's like i made it quite clear to your colleagues in prison i said anyone stops us anyone follows us people start dying that was our agreement you just broke our agreement daniel and an scv drives over the bridge on the plane <laughs> the nosy karen's like staring back as they put number two uh, lewis in, in the laboratories he's dead the guy with the pen in his chest boss man's uh, uh is sitting in the pilot seat Bella the l- lady hijacker she says she's sorry about Louis, but now there's just three of them manning all the cabins they need help and she's like do you hear me she's like "Stewart." he's like I heard you Hugo and Sam are sitting Hugo's like hey is it true one of them's gone he's like I mean no one wants anyone to die but that's good right and Sam just ignores him because it, it was it was hard Bossman man looks at his phone then he motions uh, bella to come look and he shows his text from edgar and sam's like trying to you know he's like trying to lean over trying to look and bella's eyes kind of go wide and she's like no no way and he he says we're just gonna have to pick one pick one get it done so he kind of looks at the flight attendants like sitting in the like first class then bella closes the curtains at the front but it's not closed all the way and sam keeps trying to look and he like looks back to the back of the plane. Then he gets up, he walks to the front. Everyone in first class like, look at him. They're like, what the heck are you doing? And he goes forward, goes in there and they're putting a belt around the flight attendant's neck. They're like trying to choke her. She's like on the ground and Bella points her gun at him and Stewart's like out. And then she's like, no, if he goes back, he'll tell the others. And Sam's like, what are we doing? And then Stewart's like, we kill a pastor, We kill a pastor, We take a photo, send a photo. That's what, what they want and that's what we'll do. And sam's like that's what who wants and she's like none of your business and was like never you mind this is what is happening this is that's what we're doing you want to know what we're doing that's what so sam's like i got it you kill a passenger you take a photo and was like gotta do it get it done and sam's like and this i mean she i mean that's a good choice you got to kill one passenger you might as well kill one of the crew because well they're walking about and they'll not leave an empty seat no one would even know they're gone and was like that's right so sam's like so he very smart that's clever and the belt's really clever as well because it's quiet no one will hear a shot no one will ever know what happened Stuart says yeah sam's like the thing is no one has to kill anyone because you've already done it you shot that woman so just go to where she is take a picture of her send it to whoever needs it and then it's done no one else needs to die on this flight and bella locks locks eyes with Stuart. sam says please just let her go mate so Bella takes sam to the back and she, she grabs, like, some paper from his seat. They go to the, the bloody bathroom. And she says, Come on, turn her around so we can see her. And Sam's like, No, I obviously I can And she's like, It was your idea, mate. And she just keeps pointing the gun at him. So he moves her, because his, his hands are still zip-tied together. So he moves her around. Then she hands him a piece of paper and tells him to put it on top of her. Make sure we can see it. Then she hands the phone to... Carol, the flight attendant that was having a relationship with the pilot, she tells her to take a photo. And Sam's like, oh, come on, you. And she's like, take a fudging photo. So the paper is a boarding pass, and it says K-829. At the conference room, uh, they're trying to figure out where the SUV could be going. Because yeah, if they're going to airport, there's two that are like the nearest option. One is a small airfield. And Zara's like, get units at both, especially the small one." She's like, I want armed units, special forces. It's like, this is now our primary objective. Alice tells her at air traffic control, she tells Simon that she'd rather they spend less time focusing on two in a car and more on all the others in the air. And he's like, well, it's a bit above our pay grade. The conference room tells Daniel to keep a safe distance back, let the tracker do the work. Then Edgar calls him. And he's like, Daniel, this is to confirm that we understand each other. And he's like, we do. Yeah? That, that we're on the same page? And Daniel's like, we are. Yeah? Because it don't feel like that. Danny's like Edgar we're giving you exactly what you want no that's not true I told you not to follow I told you not to interfere and Danny's like yeah he's like I look around and there you are in the review fudging mirror Danny's like yeah then we spoke we gave you what you wanted and we stopped Edgar looks at the screen he's he says if the car is stationary then why is your phone moving I think it's time we start getting serious otherwise it's just gonna keep on happening so he's probably got like location thing enabled under so he hangs up and then the phone beeps Daniel get, gets a text there's a picture and he tells uh, the lady cop whatever that's with him he's like stop the car stop the fudging car he calls Zara he's like you need to see this this is straight from Jansen Edgar so the lady next to Zara she's like that's an airplane toilet And then they pass the phone around, they see the KA-29 ticket, so they have a confirmed death. At Sam's, they're trying to get in, one one guy's trying to get on his computer, he's trying to, you know, log on with different passwords. Kai sneaks to the doorway to try to peek down. The guy at the computer, he's like, look for bills, find other names. And the other guy's like, no woman lives here. And the first guy's like, she told us she did, she said on the phone. And uh, the second guy's like, no, look at it. This this is his place. And Kai realizes that he left his phone by the record player. So the second guy's like, this is how a man lives when the only thing he cares about is himself. So the guy at the computer says that they were told that he was causing problems. So they wait there. They put the gun to the family's head. And Kai sees like a, a box under the, the bed with like a cord sticking out. So he's going to go get the box. Then there's like some dude riding a bike, and he gets his name's felix he gets a call about the story of a lifetime to meet this tavern or to go wide so i'm like wait who's felix on the plane Carrie walks on the aisle the annoying mom tells her daughter that they're almost home and the kid's like how many more minutes and dad's points to the screen he's like oh it's an hour and 37. so stupid son's like how long is that and then mom's like it's five paw patrols whatever so sam fills and hugo that they needed to show a body send a photo of a body down to the ground and he was like why sam's like as leverage i don't know that's all it can be and the pilots like leverage for what for whatever is going on down there they send a picture of a body it proves they mean business helps them get what they want hugo says well, so then it's done what's the problem sam says well what if it happens again what if they need another dead body and he's like w- we could fake it or refuse and he's like refuse well not refuse but if it happens again and then they're like fight and sam's like yeah fight it's the only fudging thing we can do it's either us or them and i can tell you it's not going to be us we don't know what's going on down there and neither do they so we just need to be ready ready to take this plane over and i'm not talking about just me and hugo looks like he's about to poop his pants i'm talking about all of us the whole plane just in case and then hugo he's like hey See if he can get in my pocket. Hugo pulls out like the medical scissors. And he he says he got it from a first aid kit. He tells me to cut the zip ties. <laughs> Hugo's like trying to cut it, but he can't. It's like it's really thick. So he keeps like trying from different angles. And then Stewart comes out, and starts walking out of the cockpit. And then the flight attendant like sees them and and sees Stewart. And then um, he s- storms out. Is like Hugo like rushes, put the scissors in his pocket, or something like that. And he looks down and. Stewart looks down. The zip ties are still there, and Stuart's like, "Well, it's all under control now." And Sam's like, "Yeah." Hugh like looks so guilty, and he has a pen because he had a pen in his hand and so he's stuck in his mouth. <laughs> and then Stuart's like, "Take the pen out of your mouth," and he like walks back, and Sam takes a breath. He turns out the zip ties were cut, but he managed to keep them in place so that felix dude he goes to the meeting place he's like out of breath because you know he's on his bike he enters like the tavern and like the bartender shop owner whatever. she locks the front doors and then he takes out um I, 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 w- I thought it was a recorder but i think it was his, it was pretty sure it was his phone and then, uh the bartender gives him a glass of orange juice and takes his phone <laughs> so the dude at the bar tells felix that there are two companies whose stocks should undergo an enormous share price collapse kingdom airlines and mcmillian doyle he's like that's the insurance company that underwrites kingdom and felix is like and and are you going to tell me how or what and, you know their planes just start going to start dropping out of the sky the guy's like and i think this is the guy that gave um the other dude the envelope the, the other secretary dude so he's like ka29 do into london at 1306 that's the plane that's in trouble and Felix is like when you say trouble that's the plane that's been hijacked you broke the media blackout on the gas company scandal last year. And he's like, no, that was you. And Phil's like, no, that was a backbencher called Duncan Rowland. He used a parliamentary privilege shoot. And the dude's like, yes, but you fed him the information. And feels like, no, I didn't. That was an anonymous Twitter account. What was it called? The... Uh, And the dude's like, don't pretend you don't know, Felix. You know perfectly well what it's called because you're the man behind it. And you only gave him that story after you made a good chunk of money for yourself first. That's insider trading, Felix. You are corrupt. Why else do you think I'd call you? It's 11.35. The market finds out about this in the next 30 minutes or the world finds out about you. Yes? Cheer up, Felix. This is what's known as a scoop. And he tells the bartender, "He's like the gentleman is ready to take his phone back now." <laughs> and Felix gets up in a rush, and a dude he calls someone, "Done? Yes, I'm sure it will work. One thing you can guarantee: when poop hits a fan, people always look out for themselves." So Sam is like writing something on the like a water bottle, like in a box. He passes it to the lady next to Hugo. She passes it to the people behind them, Yusuf and his wife. The wife raises her hand and it's like oh crap she telling him them because she doesn't want to do anything it's just because stewart's like what and then the lady's like i need to use the bathroom and stewart looks at her well use it then so she gets up and as she's about to go and she tosses the the, the box at our third flight attendant he picks up quickly and he reads the side sam circled where it's printed get ready to shake things up in the conference room they confirm the victims sheena francis She's age 30 she's australian living in west london Cause a tattoo in a photo matches a pic picture from her Instagram. She just got a job as a speech therapist. She's due to start on Monday and Louise asks, she's like, are we in agreement? Better to let those men go than to have deaths like this. And Neil's like, of course, if it's to be one way or the other. And he says, it's, you know, it's, it's either or from the crime guys side for them, it's still the same tactic comply slowly to give the plane time to land so then there's this accident blocking like a, a tunnel in front of edgar's SUV. he calls daniel he's like you better clear this right away there's gonna be another photo daniel's like i don't know what you're talking about edgar's like you called ahead to get the road blocked. daniel's like wait whatever's going on we have nothing to do with it and he's like how do we know what road to block so then edgar's like it's time to pay the consequences so kai is trying to tiptoe down he he found an old landline phone he manages to sneak into like the laundry room area and there's like those there's a plug in like a utility closet puts the phone in there calls like emergency service and they're like what emergency what service do you need he tries whispering like police but they can't hear him and then they're telling they're like if you're in danger press five five on the phone because the cleaners are watching tv so they do it they're like hello hello and then they're like we're going to send police to this address we'll call you right back and then he unplugs the phone <laughs> so on the tv they're getting like the uh, news comes on. they're getting unconfirmed reports suspected hijacking of a on a british passenger plane and kai's like listening because he didn't know that this was actually happening so now he's starting to put things together on the plane everyone's getting ready you know they're just seeing what they can use as weapons like someone's like like seatbelts wrapped around their, their like fists with the the metal claps um you know the, the bottle the boxing keeps going around co-pilot moves to kind of like cut Tom and Jerry free. One guy gets something out of the overhead. The nephew guy gets a bloody scissors out. Uh, the Lady next to Hugo takes out like this long two prong like hairpin out of her hair. And just like puts it between her, like her fingers. kind of like Wolverine style or something like that. X-23. Daniel phones Zara about Edgar's calls. And she says that, you know, they don't have the power to set up that kind of roadblock neck amount of time. And he says like, I told him all that. And he's like, he doesn't believe me. He thinks it's a delaying tactic or a trap. And he's like, you need to clear that road. Then they see that the SV is moving. So they like kind of back up. They go off in like this like pathway and they're they're heading kind of in the direction of the small airfield. And there's a drone that's following and they they kind of lose them in some trees, but the tracker shows that the car stopped. Then it keeps moving. It's like, okay, that seems a little suspicious. Air traffic control is getting ready for Ka-29 to enter their bubble. And they're like, you know, no civilian aircraft should be anywhere you know, allowed anywhere near that area everyone is tense on the plane the bottle's like making its way towards the back SUV made it onto this other major road edgar calls daniel and says that they're going to pay the price for putting problems their, their way and he's texting the plane and requesting another photo stewart is looking at the bullets of his gun sam watches him stewart cocks the gun the bottle's still going back the annoying mom tries passing the 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 box the bottle to the the karen lady and she's like stares forward like ignoring her she's like take it take it and then a uh, bearded guy turns around from like way up and he sees like something was passed he's like Oi. he rushes back with his gun out he's like do it hand it over and it's like what he's like no so then the, the karen hands in the bottle who did this who other pastors are or like, is this it is it happening Sam and Hugo can hear a bearded guy bellowing. Stuart like looks at his phone. The flight attendant stares at him in panic. Sam says to Hugo, he's like, It's on, it's happening again. Daniel tells Zara that they have to stop this now. You know, just pull out, let these guys go. Because he just told him that he's ordering another kill. Bearded guy's yelling, What the fudge are you playing at? All of you Bella goes to see like what's the commotion is. Nephew guy gets up after she passes, but the guy like behind him, he's like, Oh no, not yet. Just, just wait so Bella reads the circle the get ready to shake things up and she rushes up and bearded guy continues who did this I don't see how like, that'd be so suspicious like maybe someone's just doodling whatever so Bella yells at someone like face forward <laughs> face a fudge forward and she, she was like, yelling she goes to Stuart and she's like who did it and he's like I know who did it he looks at Hugo he's like the pen where is it and Hugo just like shakes his head she's like I, I don't have it and Stuart holds the phone. He's like, read that out loud for everyone. She's like five minutes, new photo, new body. But it's like other people, how would they even know what that means? And he's like, up, move, get the fudge up. And then Sam's like, it wasn't him. He didn't write it. And Bella's like, keep out of it. Sam like stands up at Stuart, like, <laughs> which is like crazy. He's like, he didn't do it. He didn't write it. And she's like, sit the fudge down. He holds up the pen. He's like, look, I did it. It was my idea. You want to shoot someone? You want a new body? Shoot me. At the small airfield sharpshooters, you know, they, they see that there's a plane, looks like it's about to move. The conference room, they say that the plane could reach North Africa, which is important. Someone's like, why? So Louis says, because we lack extradition agreements for many of those countries. Neil says, they won't be reaching in those countries because they won't be taken off. This goes back to what I said to start. We do not negotiate with, and Louis's like, the plan was to comply slowly. He's like, and we did, but that was then. These are two of the highest profile criminals in this country. They don't just get to leave. And she's like, they can do what they want. This is a home office matter and the home office decision. And like, she's like, they're killing innocent people. And this guy's like, uh, should we clear the room? And she continues she's like, what part of that are you not getting? It's like, they shot one, murdered one. There she is in her pictures, like on the screen. You've seen her on a wall besides you smiling, start, starting her new job on Monday. If you can be bothered to turn and they're about to do it again. On the plane, Bella's sister, she's like, do it. Edgar, ask. Edgar gets, remember? And the flight attendant's like, P- like, please, come on. It's like, he helped you. He helped your brother when he was dying. He tried to save Lewis's life. And she's like, do it. There's a pause, and he shoves Sam to the side. He's like, if not him, who? Who wants it? Who? Who's it going to be? You? Someone's got to go. At the airfield, vehicles are approaching. The conference room finds out that, that the hijack is on the news. This is one you gets up, whatever. And then... Uh, he comes out to go talk to Louise. He's like, it's home, it's a home secretary. That's the highest form of civilian authorization. And she's like, we still need to stop it. And he's like, with respect, Louise, the only person that can stop it, this, is you. So Stuart yells, I need a body. That's your order. That's what has to happen. Louise goes back into the conference room, and she says the detective is right. Pull out. And Neil's like, it's already started, so it's too late. They can see like body cam footage they're moving direct down on the ground someone's like like good job everyone you know to get the the. and Zara's like that's not them that's not jansen negative id and we see the two they're walking through the woods they come up to this volvo with, you know the keys are there then edgar texts now so then stewart's like okay let's make this easier if no one's gonna volunteer the next person to make a noise gets it well and this there's a you know they're all sitting there quiet and some lady like mm-hmm sobs he's like thank you which one was it and his other ladies and she's like it was me so he grabs her by the hair and the other was like ah. sam like cuts off the other zip tie on his wrist stewart drags her a bit forces her on her knees sam gets up and tells a pilot to get inside the cockpit and he rushes tackles Stuart, and he like drops a gun sam wraps like a sweater around you know his, his neck bella hears something Stuart and sam like go back stewart has a gun elbows you know, uh, he elbows Sam in, in the gut a couple times. He gets free. They're like fighting over a gun, like struggling, whatever. It's then this lady, random lady, gets up and goes into the bathroom. I'm like, is she just trying to avoid everything? I mean, it's kind of a smart idea, hide in the bathroom. The struggle continues. Then the gun goes off, and poor Arthur gets shot in the leg. The lady in the bathroom, she puts her hair up, and then she, it turns out she has a, a gun in her purse. So it's like, wait, what's going on? Because I've been wondering, is there an air marshal? But again, is, that might be a U.S. thing. Or prison dude gets up when Terry walks by, puts a plastic bag over his head, takes him down, he yells, he's like, someone fudging help me. The struggle for the gun continues. Bathroom lady walks out. So it's, now it's like, okay, wait, whose side is she on? She walks forward. She goes past where Sam and Stewart are. And then she freaking shoots the pilot in the freaking head. <laughs> Stuart and Sam are still kind of fighting and they're like kind of confused. He's like, wait, what was this? Where did this gunshot come from? And they're, they're struggling, but they try looking forward. Sam sees like, it's like splu- blood splatter all over the screen where the, where Robin, the pilot, was sitting. The, the, the bathroom lady, she just walks into the cockpit and she's like slams the door shut. So it's like, who the heck is this lady? The only thing I can think of is could she be someone else working with Edgar? Like, so they had what five people? Maybe there's a six person just in case things didn't work. I, I and the, the, why shoot the pilot of all people? I mean, I, I she closed the door. Does this mean she can fly? I it's so crazy. I don't even know. And um so I think there's one more left. My goodness. But then with secret invasion uh episode six this is the final episode it's a final countdown and uh so the episode is called home priscilla is at home uh with like a pack bag fury calls her cell phone and she's like like, oh this is the first time you've called this number in years and he's like oh but i've dialed it a million times and he's like this is just the first time i press send and she's like you sound far away are you he's like far enough to know where it makes sense to keep going the way i'm going and she says, "You know, if you'll be coming back," he's like, uh, "I'll let you go now." She's like, "You don't have to, if you don't want to, darling." And he's like, "Take care of yourself." And then she just ends the call. At the new scrolls gate, car drives up to the gate, and soldiers, you know, get out there. They're like, "Stop, stop!" They start shooting, you know, in the air. And then the car keeps coming, so they sh- start shooting the car. There's no one inside, and then they get shot, and they, they turn into scrolls. Fury gives an extra shot to one and, and starts walking forward. In London, uh, Rhodey Skrull talks to the, the president in hospital about honing his response to the attack on the motorcade and then there's an admiral there. She's like, respectfully, we still need time to confirm that this was in fact an official Russian act. President Vladimir has strenuously denied responsibility. Rody, sarcastic is like, oh, he's strenuously denying it? I guess we're alright then. And then to the admiral, he's like, "President Vladimir is a ball faced liar. And we got thirty dead Russians on a motorcade to prove it," and she's like, "We cannot rule out the possibility of a false flag attack," and this this part the. the annoys me. Roddy's like, did you take a stupid pill with your breakfast this morning, Admiral? What happened on a motorway was an all-out assault on our Republic, orchestrated by the Skrulls and a Russian who are giving them safe haven. Our commander-in-chief is still nursing internal injuries from an assassination attempt that he barely survived by the skin of his teeth. So unless you have some actual evidence to support this ridiculous false flag proposition, I su- suggest you move on to doing what it is you were summoned here to do, which is to present the President of the United States with his options for a military response to Russia. So what I'm I'm just confused. Rhodey's a colonel and she's an admiral. So I think that's different branches, but it just I don't feel like he should be talking to her. That is like so rude and 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 she so the lady knocks on uh, and comes in, she whispers Rhodey, and he's like, oh put it up on the screen. So Rhodey's like this is real-time satellite imagery, sir. This is a Russian uh, tanks taking position on the finland and ukrainian borders now sir if i may i've taken the liberty to prepare a rough copy of your remarks to the nation the american people need to hear from you sir so i i, I don't know if i completely missed what the heck Rody's role is in the president's cabinet i don't know what his what he, what position he's in but is a uh, apparently speechwriter is now one of his duties and i still don't understand how a colonel can mouth off to an admiral or whatever so he continues, like, they need your leadership. They need to understand who's responsible for this. And it's the Russians, 100%. There's your proof right there. Make the call, Mr. President. At New Scrolls, Fury continues walking. He sees, like, Beto's dead body. And inside, there's, like, other dead scrolls. He's got this, like, Geiger counter thing, whatever it's detecting, I guess, high levels of radiation. He starts coughing a little bit. Goes inside a building. There's, like, no one around. Then Sonya calls Rody. She's like, you have to get him out of there. And he's like, who? She's like, the president, you bloody idiot. Fury's headed straight for you. He's like, Fury, why are we concerned about Fury? We got enough security for him. And she's like, for what, target practice? Fury's lost it. He wants Ritson stopped before the bomb is launched. Move to president now. Well, it turns out, cause you know, he goes, Rhodey went out in the hall. She's actually at the hospital and she's like kind of watching him from like, you know, on the other side of a door. Fury's still walking around, coughing finds Gravik in like the big lab room with like the machine thing Fury's like where's everybody and Gravik's like locked away looks like it's just you and me Fury and Fury tries taking more pills but his hands are shaking he like drops them and then you know some of them like most of them fall in this like drain and Gravik like crushes the other ones that were on the floor a lot of pills what a shame no more protection for you because they were supposed to be iodide pills or whatever how about a drink instead? And Fury's like, yeah, I wouldn't say no. So Gravik hands him a flask and kind of helps him raise it since his hands are shaking. To the last stand of the great Nick Fury. At the hospital, Rhodey and agents are wheeling the president, you know, his bed to safety. They're going to, like, take him upstairs to another room. And then um, agents start getting like shot or tranked or something. Gravik tells Fury that he probably never thought his last 20 minutes would be spent down there having a drink with him he starts talking about how when the tremors like go past his arms, that's when he needs to start worrying. And Fury's like, do I look worried to you? So Gravik's like, Fury, tell me, you got a backup plan? Your little Avengers on standby? What about that invisible cloak and shield? And then he like coughs. He's like, you're too busy playing dress up using my skin like a costume. Gravik says, a costume? Do you not recognize this skin, huh? This face? This was the first human I killed. You know why I killed him? I killed him because you told me to. And he just looks at him, he's like, oh, wow, you don't even remember. The first mission you sent me on, I was like, I was young. I tried you know, my best. I wanted to give everything to impress my hero, you know, the one who promised us a home. But this man, this man, Fury, he had a wife. He had children. Maybe it was a bit misguided, but I killed him because of you. I killed him. And I killed so many more. I killed, and everyone I killed took a little piece out of my heart. And Fury says, well, you're not the only one. But, crap. I'm like no but i'm the only one brave enough to admit it talos was weak and we wandered in the shadows for 30 years because he was weak he turned a war people into a band of beggars and what i'm supposed to emulate that i'm supposed to be like talos and put my trust in you you pimped us fury You put us out to work for you and when you were done with us you threw us away so first i'm gonna kill you and then i'm gonna take a flamethrower to humanity and just so i am absolutely clear about this Fury, look at me. You look at me. You did this. All the bombs, all the blackouts, all the massacres and the wildfires and imminent removal of humans from their habitat. That is all you. The species you spent your entire adult life defending. They were condemned to die the day I realized you weren't a man of your words. It's like, you know, Fury, you really should have kept your promise. And Fury's like, you, you're right. I failed you. I knew within a few years of searching that there was no other planet out there for you. I knew the only way for me to keep my end of the bargain was to build you a home here." Graff is like, why didn't you do it? Fury says, because it's easier to save the lives of 8 billion people than it is to change their hearts and minds. Even for Nick Fury? Even for Nick Fury. Then the blip came. You know, the last thing I felt before I flaked off? And Graff like, what's that? Relief. Relief that I didn't have to fight anymore, that I finally found a way out. Fury um, continues as we see like Rhodey and Secret Service moving to president. So Fury says, you're right, I wasn't brave. Do you know why I came back to earth? You, you are my young, the youngest girl on my team. I felt responsible for you. And we say agents are calling for backup because some other agents see that there's agents down in the hall. I should have taught you that you never give up to fight because I failed you and failed your people. I decided to give you what you want. He takes out the vial, Gravik. Like looks at him. Is that what I think it is? And Fury says, "Carol Danvers' DNA, along with the Avengers that you and your team collected, the Harvest." And Gravik says, "In exchange for what?" And Fury says, "That you take it, take your powers, go to some other planet, wipe out some other species. I don't give a damn." just leave earth the hell alone and leave it now call off the strike save your people graphics like oh oh fury i think the radiation is eating your brains mate and then graphic plucks the vial out of fury's hands and fury coughs the morning like falls to his hands and knees because it's like how is he going to survive all this radiation at the hospital Rody and a couple others again elevator with the president and the president's like don't give me a gun then, like some desert area this high-ranking officer hands a soldiers classified envelope It's like wait what was that about um okay i, I get okay i know what it is um it's about launching a missile so that's it's an order to do the strike i was like wait what does that have to do with thing fury's uh still on his hands and knees coughing graphic puts a vial in this like, machine looks like a microwave whatever computer next to it reads it lists all the samples i had to like go like just yeah wa- just really slowly watch this so it lists Ghost from ant-man i guess captain america corvus glaive thanos outrider which is thanos mindless beast proxima midnight captain marvel abomination mantis Cull obsidian drax korg em- ebony ma frost beast hulk Chitauri, Valkyrie, Thor Odinson, Gamora, Flora Colossus, which is Groot, Winter Soldier. And that was it that they, they showed us. And Gravik's like, you really want to die? Rhodey tells the others that it's like, so he looks in this room, he peeks in there. He's like, okay, we can use this room. And then Sonia pops out, no, check behind the doors. You really are a scroll And she takes his gun. Rhodey's like, Rhodey Skrulls whatever it is you think you're doing but and she's like no buts just yours back in the hallway go on gravic walks up to fury and then the machine turns on with a big white flash of light and they both groan inside so they're in this machine now it's like what the heck is this going to do to to fury president's like what the hell when he sees you know Sonya with the gun to rhodi's head gravic is in scroll form he's like it looks like more muscular and fury stands and gravic's like swats him down Fury's like still coughing Gravik picks him up slams him against like one of like the postings in the, the machine and he goes to deliver like he's give a big punch but then Fury stops it with his hand Gravik seems a little confused and then Fury like twists his arm and then boom, punches him through the roof Gravik goes flying across smashes into like a brick smokestack lands on the car Fury walks up to him Gravik's like you and in the smoke and rubble it's Gaia so wait, where's Fury? Fury's actually at the hospital. He tranks the other Secret Service guys in the hall. President points his gun at Fury when he sees him, and Fury's like, "You might want to aim that gun to your left, sir." Rhodey scrolls like, "Shoot him now, Mr. President," and <laughs> Fury's like, "I'm not here to hurt you, sir, but he is." And the President's like, "Rhodey?" Guy is like, "The Gravic, you killed my mother, you, my father." Her hand glows red. Gravic channels. Uh, he. It's like abomination you know he's got like the ears and the scales and everything she continues she's like you're flailing you're weak she her arm turns it's like Drax's arm Gravik like, throws a car she like ducks and then I don't know what she did it's like she teleported or she's like did something Gravik is like half his body's a Korg and half is like Groot Gaia makes like a big long ice sword out of her right hand and a Korg, I think it was a Korg arm on her left She starts like swinging and everything like that, but he like dodges and kind of swats the the blade. She manages to like kind of spin around, impales him like dead center in the chest. But of course, that's probably not going to kill him, right? Fury says to the president, like, he's a scroll, and if you don't call off that strike, you're going to kill the man he's replicating along with some of the world's greatest minds. And the president's like, wait, what? He's like, Fury says, scroll rebels have kidnapped dozens of the world's officials along with. Colonel Rhodes, he and other world officials are being kept in pods beneath the scroll compound. You nuke that, you nuke them. Present to Roadie's like, please tell me this isn't true. And Roadie scrolls like, Are you listening to this insanity? Of course it isn't true. Gaia twists a sword, but then Gravic makes a, a big hunk of concrete like fly and smash into her, and she sees she gets knocked away. He heals right away, of course. Uh then he lifts Gaia up and slams her into like this overhead like arch and then he like, as she comes down, he like, kinda like, pulls her towards him and he, like kicks her, like she goes flying back, like through like some fence and barrels and stuff. Rhodes girl says, Mr. President, listen, just stay the course, all right? And all our enemies will be gone. So a nuke is the the door's or whatever the, the silo thing is starting to open, so this nuke is gonna take off. So that's probably what those orders were. Fury puts his gun down in the chair, he's like, Sir, you're looking at your enemy you wait another minute and the rebel skulls will win Guy gets up her, her arms change. They run at each other. They slam her. They go flying up They're using like carol danvers powers. They start like punching each other in air and everything then gravik starts like choking her Then she uses mantis power. She grows like little antenna. She's like sleep It's like how does she, they even know how to use everyone's powers? So then he just like falls to the ground like big huge impact sonia is like for crimey's sake written what have you got to lose and Fury's like she's right she didn't say crimey Fury's like she's right just delayed a strike if i'm wrong you can send me to prison and and then flatten russia guy is still floating in the air then a blast comes shooting at her she dodges she flies down does superhero landing Gravic. you know he jumped up whatever he flies down he, he seems a little hurt she gets like a hulk arm other stuff she charges hits him grabs him by the throat and he's like you're just like your father just like them and then <laughs> she laps like a softball sized hole like through his midsection with like carol danvers powers and then he's like plops on the ground so it's like is he finally dead the president's like thinking roadie gets like tired of waiting shoves like sonia somehow grabs her gun points it at fury but Fury poof, shoots him dead center in the forehead and there's purple blood splattered against the wall. And ritson like looks over, he sees Rhodey revert into a scroll. He's like, Jesus, somebody give me a phone. Sonya hands him a phone. Gaia types some stuff in, like three different computers. She starts turning off pods, you know, the pod computers things and unstrapping the people. And we see like Rhodey's there and, and Everett Ross is there. And Ross is like, Colonel Rhodes? How long have you been here? And Rhodey like almost falls forward guy and a soldier help him, help him up and she tells him she's like you've been held hostage for a long time but it's like we don't know how long so they exit the building then the president gives a speech he talks about attack against him his motorcade was done by terrorists the terrorists were a shape-shifting alien-born species known as scrolls that is why tonight I present to Congress for immediate emergency authorization, a bill that designates all off-world-born species as enemy combatants. We know who you are. We know how to find you. And we will kill every last one of you. Okay, can we just say for a moment, this is like so incredibly stupid. Every off-world-born species is enemy. So regardless of how helpful someone may be, so that basically it means Groot Drax yeah you know, Man- mantis uh, you know, uh, anyone that's not born you know they're 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 enemies whatever and then we know how to find you how do you find them you had n- absolutely no idea you've been working with roadie for all this time you had no clue so you're just a big idiot fury returns home priscilla's in the kitchen he's like love what you've done with the place and then he's like i'm sorry and she's like for what not being here and she scoffs she's like i can take care of myself fury says i know that but you shouldn't have to and she says i know who i am when you're not here it's when you come back that i start to wonder did you fall in love with me or the face that puts you at ease fury says i love you priscilla i'm here to ask you for one last chance i'm leaving tonight then i guess this is goodbye so he just nods he's like you can find a way to forgive me Put you can hear him put like the wedding ring in a bowl and he's, as he walks out he's like you know where to find me guy is like walking down this this road like it's like it's between old buildings where she kind of like uh ducks on this alley there's like a car behind her and then sonia pops out she's like we meet at last and guy like looks and there's like an agent uh with her like by the car so guy says unless you have an army crammed in the back of that car i advise you to go back the way you came and Sonia's like, oh, I haven't come for fight. Gaia, with your special abilities, it would be a lopsided affair. And Gaia says, who are you? Sonya says, a friend of a friend. Your people need a leader. You'll need resources to fight this war that Ritson has launched on your people, and I can get them to you. Gaia says, and let me guess, you're doing this out of the kindness of your heart? Sonia chuckles. She's like, oh, God, no, don't be silly. Gaia says, my father entered a deal like that. Didn't end so well. And Sonya's like, yes, let's be sure not to repeat the mistakes of Talos and Fury and leave love and friendship out of this. I will use you and you will use me. And together, we will make this planet safe for both our people. So guy like thinks about it and then she walks with Sonya to her car. And then it's that night, this car pulls over into a field. At first, I'm like, who is this? It was Fury. Ritson's in his car, he gets a call. And so it's Fury, he's like... So Ritson says, I was relieved that we made it out alive. Fury's like, I was relieved too until I watched that hateful ass speech you made. Putting things back together was never going to be easy. And we see Sonia and some others in the room. There's like some different, different pots than we saw with the other ones. She pulls a cover and it's like this dude and just like, what the hell is this? I don't know if this dude was supposed to be someone we knew. I didn't recognize him. And she's like, this is how the enemy got so good. And the room is like full of pods. There's a lot, you know, guys there too. So Fury says on the phone to Ritson, you took a bad situation and made it worse. That's a a real one-term president stuff, but we have to act now. And we see like three guys walk on the set of the Chris Stern show, the talk show guy, and they shoot him. And Fury's like, before the hit squads, you inspired kill off Skrulls who still want to help us out. And we see Stearns, like, rev- turns into a scroll. And then there's, like, some woman giving a speech. I don't know if it was a prime minister or who it was. This dude, like, walks up and shoots her, but she doesn't change. And Fury's like, now you got dumbass vigilantes killing innocent humans, too, when they're not getting killed themselves. We see, like, this big fight. You know, they're trying to get these people, and they end up getting killed. So Fury says, call off your war. And Ritson's like, give me a break. He's like, there's only one way this, this ends. The old Nick Fury would have known that. If you truly care about the scrolls, get them off my planet. And he hangs up. Nick walks into the field, bright light shines down, but then this other car pulls up next to his. He turns around and, he, and it's calm. He's like, hold a minute, it's Priscilla. She gets out of her car. He's kind of like surprised to see her. She walks up to him and she says, sounds like peace, doesn't it? And he says, yeah, that's all I want, Priscilla. And she's like, Vara. Now that the humans know we're among them, I'd like to use my birth name. Vera says, well, Vara, good news from Saber, S-A-B-E-R. The Cree said they are open to peace talks with the Scrolls." She says, the Cree make peace? Reminds me of an old joke. What do Scrolls call good luck? Bad luck. And he's like, come on. He's like, I need your help. And she says, my help? He says, yeah, with this, you know, the, this peace summit, you're the best diplomat the Scrolls have ever had. I'm no good with people. You are she says you've got your own way he's like yeah well i'm sick of it and we're better together well at least i am please come with me she says i'll help you get started but then i've got to get back all my work is here and it's never been more important it's like what work she then she turns into a scroll form she's like i just wanted to tell you that that i love you as i am and he says only as you are and he takes her in his arm Smooch! It's another smooch, and then they both get on the, the dropship holding hands, and that's how it ends. But Gaia is crazily super powered now, so hopefully we'll see her again. But it's like, if I mean, it's just she's—it's insane if she has, you know, because we saw Carol Danvers kick butt, but if she could turn into Carol and the Hulk and Abomination and. Captain America and Groot and Mantis. That's, it's just way too much. So there you go. That's it. That's secret invasion. I liked it, but it just seems like, I don't know. I haven't really heard people talking about it. So I don't know. All right. And now we interrupt this r- podcast already in progress to talk about Taylor Swift. And we have sky back Hello. So uh, I think it's been, I think it's been like nine weeks. Yeah. Since the last time you were on. I think so. Because it was uh, it was episode three hundred. I think this is three oh nine. So we just got in the car. <laughs> how long did it take us to, to walk, walk, walk to the car? There's um, so many people. About
1: twenty six minutes.
0: Yeah. Or what I wanted, I wanted to look up how many shows. I don't know if you have better in your yeah, phone. Yeah, I do. Like how many shows are in the the era let's tour? See. Because uh, what'd you think?
1: I thought it was amazing.
0: So we saw the Reputation tour, which was how yeah. long ago?
1: 131, it says. Uh,
0: 131 shows. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Because I know it seems like she's been playing and you know like since, everywhere since like April.
1: Well, the thing is, she just—I'm pretty sure she just added a second um, U.S. tour. I think that that's what I heard. I don't because some people that. were buying tickets like out of the states for her concerts there and she's just added more dates
0: that's great and yeah a lot of the places she's been doing two shows i don't know if she's she might have done three shows a couple of places i know she broke yeah. records like the only performer to do like three nights at the stadium or whatever and so we saw a reputation tour. Mm-hmm. when what year is that um
1: 2017 20... 2017 no 18
0: 2018, it's 2018. yeah <laughs> yeah And um, I think that was the last time she toured because... Yeah, I think so. Because in COVID, we saw the same stadium. Yeah. And how do you feel this show was compared to Reputation?
1: Yeah, oh my... Well, I mean, it's totally different. And I'm a little bit biased because Reputation is my favorite Mm -hmm. album. So when we went to Reputation, I was like all for it. Like, I know every single song by heart. Love it. But this was... Kind of awesome because it's like it's one of those things whenever an artist comes out with like a new album, it's like you love all their new stuff, but sometimes it's nice to hear the old stuff. Here we got to hear absolutely everything, obviously, it's eras. Yeah. But that's just really nice because like you get a little bit of like a taste of each, each bit of her stuff that she does and it's like each vibe that she presents, and I love it.
0: So I was a little concerned in the beginning because you know, so we missed Lover Mm -hmm. and then you know, Folklore and Evermore came out and then Midnights. It's like, Mm -hmm. While I I like the other stuff, you know, I, it's like, you want to see the new stuff too. Mm -hmm. And for me, I mean, I I think it was red. I mean, that's when she started moving away from the country. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's when you love. first started listening. Right. That
1: was the first album that I started listening to.
0: So that that's when I first started I was like, yeah. I kinda know who this was. And in nineteen eighty nine came mm-hmm. out. And I remember when Shake It Off first came out, I was Probably I was like, like huge, I was, obviously. I was like, eh. but then listening yeah. to the album then I was like, Oh, this is really good and then I yeah. started like and then Reputation was totally different. And I, I this is like I know you you chose Reputation as your oh, era. Yeah, absolutely. And and just seeing her perform those songs again, I, I was just like I
1: love it. She's so like, good it's at so good. Like she's like good at all of them. And, yeah, but she's she kills it when she does reputation she's so strong I just, she fits into that edgier vibe so well she just does it really well
0: and it's just it's crazy and so i guess the other thing we should say you know she she talked about how she didn't get to tour mm-hmm. and then she put out three albums and and then she kind of jokes she's like someone's like so what do you gonna do like a three hour show and she's like yeah. <laughs> yeah but it was three and a half hours
1: it was insane yeah
0: and and just thinking about that it's 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 she's like unstoppable, and and you know she's not dancing the entire time, mm-hmm. but she's moving around a lot. And no, and, it's just and every like, single show she's done,
1: yeah, it's an insane amount of activity. She's and she's doing.
0: giving a hundred percent.
1: Yeah, for sure. I also, always.
0: I, I was, I, always think it's funny because you know she started off as a country singer, mm. and then I, I don't know, maybe it was. I mean, I don't know if it was during. Like, when did the dancing start? I, I don't know if that was in Red or nineteen eighty nine. Maybe nineteen eighty nine. I don't remember so much then. I mean, since I
1: yeah, because like when that... she first started, I felt like her performances mostly. She like she had a guitar with her yeah. for the whole time, so you can't really yeah, you can't really do much dancing when you're holding a guitar. I feel like, but
0: with really, reputation. There's a lot of dancing oh, yeah. choreography, yeah, a lot. And but it's funny. So she's good. She's she's an amazing yeah, dancer. Yeah. But there was one point. I forgot what song she was playing. Where she was playing? She's you know playing the guitar and kind of dancing, mm-hmm. and it looked a little dorky, but it was mm-hmm. like just so cute and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing when she played Champagne Problems. Mm-hmm. On the piano, yeah, and that's then good. and then people were just like screaming and cheering. It was like at least two minutes, if not mm-hmm. more. And you could see her her face. and I don't know if she could like quite hear it intensity because then she, she pulled out her earplugs, ear yeah, or, and then or ear yeah, whatever. And then she could just really hear it. and it, it's stuff like that. I mean, she has to know that, that people are obsessed, you know, yeah, whatever, or anything like that. But still, it's you you can feel. You know, I don't think she's like an amazing actress to pull that off i mean yeah. I'm not, i mean that sounded bad mm-hmm. i mean i don't think she could fake the the like the sincerity it
1: looks like she was starting to tear
0: up a little yeah, actually and, and, and it was like she was really touched yeah. by that and because then she's like what are you guys doing and so it's just just crazy and just it's also it's, it's so cool seeing all the people where yeah it's mostly women mm-hmm. but you have little girls you have adult women middle-aged women you know have like the whole range mm-hmm. and it's like everyone loves taylor and you know there there were dudes there and and it's just she's such a good person and just the, the songs like every single song was was just good and the n- nice thing about the eras is you just get like you said like a, a feel for everything yeah. now the other thing i i thought she was gonna go in order
1: yeah me too
0: when when she started off with miss americana and uh what's that something I forgot the name of that song but anyway so she starts off with that i was i was like oh, okay this isn't and then I was like wait a minute she's she's not these aren't from her first album and so at first I was like like oh she should be going in order but how do you feel that she didn't
1: um, I mean, I thought that she was going to go in order too, but this way it was kind of more like a, like a surprise each yeah. time when she switched into the next one. I was like, Ooh, what's she going to do next? Or like, you get a little hint. Like she's, they start showing this one light. And this one color and you're like and you're oh like, it's oh, gonna be so this album okay it's this. this, okay, this... yeah yeah exactly you're like oh speak now you like you know you know what's going on i thought that was kind of fun
0: yeah so it was it was cool that way and I, I i feel so bad because when we we're looking we we're like so we're, we're at folklore so it's like wait so there's just midnight's next and then it's like totally oh wait you totally forgot 1989 was yeah. like how is that possible i don't know i
1: i don't know i tricked myself thought we had yeah. already heard it but
0: yeah <laughs> so did they mention or she mentioned that santa clara re- renamed the city as swifty clara for the <laughs> two days which i, I could oh, see them kind of there. doing that and and then the fireworks went off yeah and at first it. i was like wait because they weren't like they in, the, in stadium, the stadium and it wasn't directly behind the stage it was like to the right so it's like is something else going on just coincidentally i was like that seems kind of weird planning or whatever because it wasn't quite in tune with the song you know the colors didn't fully match i forgot what 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 song or what era we're in and then you know she goes into the next song and they're still going and but then she mentioned that they did that last night too so it's like did they do that for her is it something else and so I, I don't know. Yeah. And I, I just wonder because we're close to an, the airport, <laughs> and you see like the spotlights going up, and shining, and <laughs> yeah, just so it's like there weren't any like planes directly overhead at, at that time. But it's like I wonder what what that would be like. Yeah. Oh man. Is there? Oh, it's just uh, the the costume changes.
1: We're fast.
0: And, and cause you know, there, I've seen videos from like the, the past tour where she, you know, she, when she goes under, <laughs> she gets on a little cart and it zips her to the other side. Oh yeah. But, but even like when, when she was in red, you know, she's wearing the, the like the black, uh-huh. I don't even know if she's a black shorts and she had a t-shirt. I didn't even see her take the shirt off.
1: No, I didn't either. And all of a sudden it's and, just and so it's like, wait,
0: she, she never left the stage and now yeah. she's wearing like another outfit. So she obviously had that underneath, but it's just such elaborate costume changes and and that would make this this tour harder because there's so many more costume mm-hmm. changes and you know you you and sometimes you had maybe a couple minutes like intermission not really intermission but you know a little musical interlude yeah. or something like that but you know it's obviously worth the wait and and all that but it's, it's just just crazy like everything that went into this i i know everyone talks about like ticket prices and this and everything but you also look i i always look at it as like how much does it cost you know what does this tour cost you know the just a stage because that stage was like Three fourths of a football field.
1: Well, and they had like props for every single song that yeah. were like a reference to you, you, the music you, you video. You got all, you know? all like... the
0: screens. The entire stage was all LEDs or whatever light up. And then you know you have all the dancers and musicians. Mm-hmm. You know all of them get paid. they I were heard,
1: amazing, by the way. They're, they're oh great. my
0: gosh! One of the things that's like so touching is like I I know most for band it's like the same band mm-hmm, like for, a while. F- for all all this time. And I, I don't know if it was my record store guy told me that like even during COVID she like, paid them, mm-hmm. you know, because they, they weren't able to tour or anything like that. And, and she's like, I'm still going to pay you your salary or whatever. And it's either she's extremely kind and generous or you know if you want to be skeptical maybe it's like hey i want to keep you you know on retainer so it's like you know don't don't go and find something else i
1: i feel like it's a respect thing because this is the only she's the only artist i've ever seen who shows the pictures of every single one of her dancers and artists with their name and their occupation at the end on the screen like that is so nice give all the people the credit that's amazing
0: i i seem to recall during reputation she introduced them yeah she did but you know that that's going to take a long time. So it was cool to to put their like you said their names and yeah, that's just that really there. nice because to you know, know a lot of people sit and wait because it's it's crazy to try to get out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it does seem like there's a lot of respect and you know of course everyone always always looking for something negative to say about her. You know so so she's paying the the, the band the musicians all the equipment and then I just wonder how I mean I don't I'm, I'm always curious like how does it work when you book the stadium because you know you have all the concession workers all the security you have all the, the cleanup people and and all the food and and you know it's all, they all got to get paid and i i just wonder how how it all that that works but so it's it's definitely worth the price you know we paid regular ticket prices and and you know of course that the prices skyrocket which is, is unfortunate and my so my concern is i don't know if we're gonna be able to see her again
1: yeah i don't know (laughs) because
0: it was so crazy to try to get these tickets through normal means you know again there there's other means i always wonder how do how do other people get their tickets you know and how much are they paying but it just seems like so many people like her admire her and you know want to see her that it's just going to get harder the next time and and everyone that i've ever talked to that has has seen her say how you know she puts on such such a, a a great performance you know, I, I've seen like people that I follow on social media or friends from high school or whatever that don't seem like they're super into Taylor Swift, or, but they can't deny it. it mm-hmm. It's like such a such a good show. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's, I'm, try, I'm sure there's other things I wanted to say, um, but we got to hit the road. And um, anything else you want to add about the overall?
1: It was awesome, and you could feel the sound in your heart, and the whole stadium was literally shaking. Did you feel that? I did
0: feel that time. I'm like, holy cow! It, yeah,
1: the whole stadium was shaking. That's how loud it was.
0: Well, there was a in I, there was a report that in Seattle, they the audience created a 2.3. Magnitude earthquake. Yeah, because like like built like businesses around were shaking <laughs> from dancing. They said it was during "Shake It Off." I don't know if they were just that was just a joke or whatever. But just people's because there's times where you you can always hear people singing along. Mm-hmm. But there's a couple times where you y- could really you could hear really it, hear them over. But
1: it was also that people were dancing too. Like the energy was high. Like even there's times I would stand still for a second. I'm started swaying just mm-hmm. from the movement of other people. Like,
0: yeah, you can't and you you can't help but no you know, with the, the music. It's just so so catchy. And, mm-hmm. and it is it's it's cool how it's so diverse and you know she did the acoustic songs mm-hmm. and it's also cool that how she has a stage where you know she plays it at different parts of the floor so you know different people get their chance and she gave that dude her hat i oh, know if did, i was yeah. that dude i mean he was so happy you could see yeah, him like blowing he her very, kiss or whatever very, like that yeah if if that happened i would take that hat off and i would like shove it in my shirt
1: oh hell yes people are gonna grab that from you you know
0: i mean hopefully there's no like you know rude or you know whatever people but yeah i mean that would just be so crazy to, to get something like that yeah and it was it was amazing and and i mean i i think we kind of knew that after the last time and
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's just so if, if i would say anyone listening even if you're not totally into her i mean it is such an amazing performance yeah. and it is it's I, don't, I can't even describe it, you know, beyond that, because it's it's just it's such a show. I guess that's yeah. it. Pretty <laughs> good. All right. So uh, yeah, that was Taylor Swift, and and I, I do hope we get to see her again sometime, but who who knows? And uh, I, I don't even know what's next. I mean, how many? The, the fact that she put out two albums during COVID mm-hmm. and or put out three Wait, she has with, thirteen three right albums now? in five Is years. That it? I don't even know. It's just crazy. All right, so that was it. number, 13. Yeah, so great, great show. Uh, that, that, that's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else great to look forward to this show. year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now the movie feature this week. As you know, Barbie. Let's go Barbie. So, yeah, yeah it's last week. You know, when, when the movies came out, when when the movies opened, Barbie and, and Oppenheimer, 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 whichever, when, when they, they both opened up. Obviously, I was in at San Diego Comic-Con, so I couldn't see either one. And that that, that was kind of the nice thing, because it's like, it's like, oh, I don't know which one I'm going to be able to choose, because I only have time to, to cover one of them. And uh, I didn't have to make that choice, because I couldn't. But then, you know, I, as I, I mentioned, I had this small window. I had Monday. I could go to see a movie, because you know, I flew back from San Diego Sunday, flying out again to see my daughter on, on Tuesday. So it's like, I have to make a choice. And, and part of it is, so I know they're both really, you know, scored really high with audience and the critics. They're both like about the same. Oppenheimer scored a little bit higher, uh, box office wise. Barbie did way better, and and it's probably because Oppenheimer's rated R, Barbie's PG-13. I'm pretty sure, and uh, you know, so you have those those differences there. I was also looking at it, it's like I kind of don't want to sit. I I can't sit for three hours because I have so much stuff to do in this small window. There, I, I still have so much from San Diego that I, I haven't touched, which uh, hopefully I'll, I'll be able to get to those. And uh, so I also wanted something a little lighter. And I, I, I know everyone's saying Op- Oppenheimer's so amazing and everything like that, and I'm sure it is. I will see it. I just wasn't really quite in the mood for something heavy. And maybe it's not quite as heavy as I think. But I, I decided to go with... Uh, with Barbie, because you know I I love Margot Robbie. I think she's amazing. Ryan Gosling's you know he's he's great and everything. And just the whole cast in this, you know, we had so many other people. You know, Michael Cera was 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 great in here. So there's there's a you know Will Ferrell's in here. Uh, there's there's a lot of uh, great supporting actors here as as well. So I went with Barbie. And, um, just uh so I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know if I, if I made that clear or not. I, I, I thought it was really good. It was funny. It was entertaining. I got emotional. And, you know, as, as I've mentioned, you know, re- several times recently, you know, my emotions, I'm, I'm feel like I'm like on the edge, you know, just like ready to just like crack, shatter, crumble or whatever. Uh, not that I'm about to, you know, cry at the drop of a hat or anything like that, but, you know, part of it also is, you know, with, with my daughter, you know, leaving the nest and all that. There are you you do get some of that you know so you can see some of those messages and, and it, while some people might be like oh this is a feminist film or whatever it, it you know you can you can definitely say that there's nothing wrong with that but it's it's an important message for for both sides for everything you know it's like you know who is Barbie who is Ken you know so you, you kind of get both sides of it and I don't I don't feel like anyone should get offended one way or the other but I'm sure some people will. But it, it's it, that's not what this is necessarily about. I didn't look at it like that. Now, as far as like my daughter goes, w- she never had Barbies growing up, you know. Because and and this is something that is kind of touched on in the wind in in the, in the window in the movie. You know, a lot of people kind of look at like what is Barbie perceived as, what kind of impression is she giving, and you know that may not necessarily be the impression that you want. A young girl, you know, to to kind of grow up thinking, because you know, part of it is Barbie is almost supposed to be like this. I don't even wouldn't even say a perfect figure, you know. She has like unrealistic proportions, and you know, they've they've done the things like, oh, if she was really, you know, if she was real, she'd be like seven feet tall, or you know, whatever, and you know, her waist would be like like five inches, what you know, whatever it is, it's you know, it's it's not realistic, but. Looking at this movie and kind of thing seeing like some of the things that were mentioned, like kind of like the history of it as, as they're 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 kind of covering some different things, I, I do kind of see that there is some positivity in it. You know, there is the fact that you have so many different types of Barbies that it is there 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 is that that true message that Barbie can be anything Can be anyone, so girls can be anything or anyone. You know, yeah. There was that controversy. I think it was in the eighties. I'll never forget this. There was a talking Barbie, and I think she said like four phrases, and one of them was "math is hard," and a lot of people really hang on to that. You know, there's like some people that that's like all they think. They end up recalling that. You know, they got rid of it because that's ridiculous. And I've said time and time again. I've said it to my students. I've said it to parents. I've said it to other teachers. Is in middle school, as I'm teaching math, girls are the better students. They they get it like that. They are on top of it. They're they're more studious. They're more consistent, and that's because girls mature faster than boys. I tell the boys that I'm like you. Who's out there outside yelling and and screaming and rolling around and doing, you know being knuckleheads, and the boys are be like we are. They 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 get it. They understand it. That's just the nature of boys, and it's not the boys will be boys things because that's a bunch of crap. But girls tend to mature quicker, and a lot of times they, be, you know, because they have that focus, they tend to do better in, in at in, in under grades. When I was teaching high school, there's like that kind of same thing. There's a lot of girls that were stronger students, and I think when you get to the high school age, there's 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 all the hormone thing. And I did have a student say he said to actually it wasn't my student that year, but he said to his, this other teacher, he's like Mr. L, he's like you know I'd pay a lot more attention to you, but. So and so is 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 way better looking because you know he couldn't he was focused on staring at this one girl, <laughs> so I, I feel like you know high school boys it's just all about the testosterone and, and the hormones and everything like that and well I'm not saying that the girls don't have hormones and stuff like that but they're probably it's more in check maybe I can't speak for for that on personal experience because I'm not a girl but I feel like they can be more focused. And and then, you know, it's, it's not necessarily that, that girls would be better, boys would be better. Because, you know, it, it, each person is, there are individuals. So you can have strong male and strong female, but there's just, girls tend to be more mature. So, whatever, it's stupid controversy. But there is a the fact that, you know, Barbie does have this strong message where, you know, you have Dr. Barbie, you have astronaut Barbie, you have whatever Barbie. So there, there's that, that good, I, I feel like that is something to be looked at aside from the fact that she's got these crazy proportions so aside from that I, I feel like the movie was they did a really good job with it and and it is worth seeing in a the theater i i think you know the the aside from the performance all all great story is is interesting And uh, just the, the set designs with everything when, you know, you probably see it in the trailers, you know, like looking at Barbie's dream house and just the whole Barbie land and everything like that. And just, you know, you have a lot of fake things, you know, there's like they're at the beach and there's like fake waves and stuff like that. So they really call on a lot of this stuff. That you know, it's it's not real because it's it's all make believe. You know, you see Barbie get up in the morning, and then you know she has breakfast. She gets in the shower. There's no water in the shower because it's it's not real. When she you know drinks her her orange juice or milk or whatever, there's nothing there because it's it's pretend. So you know you see a lot of this stuff, and and it's it, it, there's a lot of nice little detail that they they play to this, and then you know when you get into the real world, you know there's that whole other thing. So that there's. I I, th- I thought that they handled it really well. It's really cool to see the differences and everything. And I, I don't know how much I I should say about the cross. I mean, you do see something like with the crossover how the other whatever world necessarily influences the other side. You know, like if if you know when when you go to from the Barbie world to the real world, you know there there is an influence there, whatever. And you know, vice versa. <laughs> Spoiler. But so the the main thing with the story is, you know, Barbie's supposed to be perfect. She, you know, and everyone's called Barbie. You know, and there, there's like Skipper and, you know, some of the other whatever, you know, Barbie's friends. But Barbie starts to, she feels like she, she's going through some changes, like something's going on. And, you know, she kind of has some, some dark thoughts. And then <laughs> I, there's another little funny thing. I, I guess I shouldn't mention it. And what what it comes down to is like like, oh, this might have something to do with, the little girl who's playing with you. And and she's like, there's a girl. And so, you know, this one other, you know, Barbie kind of explains to her and like, you know, okay, close your eyes and, you know, concentrate and think over it. And then she can kind of see like the girl's story. And I think that's where I got a little emotional, you know, just seeing that the, your, your kid grow, grow up and, you know, just go through some changes. Not necessarily, you know, some kids get an attitude or a chip, you know, but they as they pull away, as they're trying to figure out who they are and everything like that, you know, thankfully, you know, my daughter never really had a chip or an attitude like that, but, you know, she has pulled away, you know, and because she's becoming more her own person and all that. So I, I think just, you know, seeing some of that and, and, you know, now the fact that, as I've mentioned numerous times by now, you know, my daughter has, has moved out, you know, she, it's time for her to spread her wings and blah, 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 all that. So I, I think seeing part of that, you know made made me kind of sad, and just that that's a fact of life and everything and and that is something that they they talk about, like you know growing old and everything. So that is kind of like the reason for Barbie to go from Barbie land to the real world. <laughs> and it is pretty funny, like how they do that and everything. and so I, I just think overall it was just just handled really, really well. and um, you know so you you see like and I'll just say this the the, the girl that. In the real world, you know she's she's like a, a tween, as, as they refer to her, and you know she's kind of got this attitude. She's like looking at, you know, she doesn't want anything to do with Barbies or whatever, and and I think she did a good job just like playing that kind of like angry youth, but you know you you know she's, like she still cares about her mom, but you know she's she's trying to become distance and trying to be because cool. even like what she, she was like there's a scene where you know she's a cafeteria with, with her friends and they're talking about like barbies and they're like like yeah we hate barbies or whatever and this one girl's like like oh i i, I like playing with my barbie or whatever and then you know they kind of give her this look like you're not supposed to say that you know it's like it's not cool and and that's how i feel like some people are about this or like oh i'm not gonna see the barbie movie you know that that's whatever and and i i think that's unfortunate if if you go into looking at it like that because you know with the cast you know they are they they've they've proven time and time again what they're capable of doing and i just i i feel like that this is a movie that everyone can enjoy you know i've never played with barbie obviously my daughter hasn't i have no stake in a whole barbie game you know industry franchise whatever but i i can appreciate what this movie is doing and there's just a, a lot of a lot, a lot of funny, um, I don't even know how much, I said. you know, people are saying how Ryan Gosling kind of took over, and I will just say that, okay, describing Ken, and you know, this, this is not not really spoilers, but just so you, in case you're going to see it or not, but, you know, in a movie, Ken is all about wanting to be with Barbie, because, you know, that's his sole purpose, but Barbie, even though it's Ken and Barbie, or Barbie and Ken, or whatever, she's You know, she's in this ideal, everyday, perfect life where she does the same thing. And, you know, every night's like girls night or whatever. And so she doesn't she's not looking for a boyfriend because she's Barbie. You know, she doesn't need a boyfriend type of thing. But Ken is just like so not necessarily like a like a a puppy following her, but, you know, kind of like that where, you know, that that's his whole focus. But then when they go into the real world, it's like a rude awakening you've seen the images where they're like rollerblading in you know, Venice beach or whatever. And you know, everyone's looking at them and like, what is going on? I feel like that was some of the reactions are a little too extreme, you know, whatever, but they're, they're trying to figure out, okay, what do we do now? And then they, it's like lunchtime and there's like some uh, construction, you know, at at a building or something like that. So Barry's like, Oh, we can go and you know talk to those people there. She's like, you know, where's the, the women, whatever. And because she's used to, you know, all Barbies doing every profession, basically, but there's no Barbies doing construction. There is all these dudes. And, and of course, you know, they make some innuendos and stuff like that. And she doesn't quite get, you know, she kind of knows that they're implying something, but, you know, she's not that she's innocent, naive, but she kind of is because that's just not part of their world so you, you know you get a, a lot of that it, they are they, they kind of get like a, a rude awakening it's shocking and for ken then he starts to see it's like wait th- this is really how the world goes this is totally different than what he's used to because you know uh like you know when it starts off and one of the questions like you know we see where the, Bar- the barbie dream house where, where they live and everything it's like but that that's barbie's dream house it's not barbie and ken's dream house so then the question is like well where did the kens go and, you know, he's like, wait, we don't know that. So it, it's it's interesting to see how Ken reacts to seeing how different the world is. And, you know, it was like he may kind of want that for himself. You know, like, why would he want to go back to Barbie land when he's seeing that there's other opportunities for him in there? So, th- th- you know, that adds another element to it. And I, I just think it was really good. And, you know, there's like a time limit there's whatever things. And I, I, I just... I feel like now I'm just kind of like repeating myself. It was just, it was just really good. So I would say it, it's worth checking out. Like I said, you know, don't, you know, try to let go of, you know, don't, you don't have to be too cool or too macho or whatever. Or even if, if you're like, like, Oh, I don't want to support Barbie or not, but you know, they, they do kind of, they, they, they don't, it's not like padding Mattel on the back. You know, they, they mentioned Mattel, you know, they, they go to the Mattel office and you talk to like execs, you know, that's the whole part of you know, like why Will Ferrell's there, so the, it's it's not like a like a an ad for that. You know, they they kind of mentioned it that, that yeah, there are some some problems here. So I I, I think that if you just like let go any like preconceived notion and just look at this as this kind of it, it does kind of poke fun at the whole thing, but there's also like really good strong messages and and like I said, it's not just about feminism or girl power or whatever. You know, there is it's it's really about like. You know who are you specifically? You know, it, it, it's not necessar- necessarily like like oh, you're, you know, teacher Barbie or your doctor Barbie or whatever Barbie. You know, it, it's like well, who are you as a, as a person? And and I, I just feel like there's just a really really good message here. Now, is this for the little kids? There's a maybe a, a couple jokes that are might be kind of. You know, pushing border, you know the, the pushing that p g thirteen, but not so much, so it'll probably go over their heads. but I, I think this isn't it's it's not like a movie necessary for like five year olds you know they 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 might enjoy it, but I think they might get a little bored as it it goes on. you know they might be able to appreciate the visuals. It is like a, a, like a two hour movie, so that, that might be longer than what, what they'd want to sit through. So I do think it is kind of geared towards, you know, there, there is a nostalgia thing. So there, it is probably geared for adults that would appreciate it. But I, I think, you know, your older, you know, your tweens and teens could maybe even appreciate it. And, you know, there there's a lot of visuals to see, a lot of eye candy and, you know, for the guys and the gals. So it I, I just enjoy it. So I'm, I'm glad I saw it. And um, I think you should see it. And, and that's legit, that is my full honest opinion. you know, you know what I like, you know what I don't like and I, I was entertained and I, I just I thought it was a lot of fun. But with that, that is going to be another episode of the random podcast from heck. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash G from heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit to the Rick James tier or higher I blinked out there for a second, Rick James, Rick Jones tier. If you, if you commit to the Rick Jones tier or higher, my goodness, you get access to The Secret Podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes podcast entertainment every single week. Uh, recently, what I was doing, Silver Age, Superman, I'm, I'm probably going to go back, you know, soon, maybe. Uh, but I'm jumping back to like some John Romita era amazing Spider-Man and, you know, like first appearance of Mary Jane and, you know, we've got Gwen Stacy and, you know, so we, we got uh, like the story with the lizard going on and, Uh, So it's just, it's really cool to see like some of this like hardcore classic Spider-Man. I mean, just such really, really good stories. So it's fun for me to go back and revisit because I haven't read them like years. So, but then sometimes I talk about other things, other topics and and, and so forth. But if you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman for Mac and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That is ko-fi.com slash Man from heck all right so what is going to be next week that's a good question because you know so haunted mansion did open up i do want to see it i'm i don't know if, if i will go to see it but there's also oppenheimer so i i have a feeling that i'll probably lean towards that for the main feature next week so it'll be like what two weeks later or so like but uh, you know just for for my sake and you know just trying to manage everything and Better late than never, I guess. You know, I, I look at, like, other podcasts and stuff like that. I see them talking about things, like, when they reach streaming. So, you know, I, I guess I don't have to necessarily go out of my mind trying to push myself and everything. So, hopefully, you're okay with that. And then, you know, do the rest of the shows and so forth. Hopefully, I'll get a chance to catch my breath. And um, I hope you are doing well. And I hope you're you're doing fun things can't believe we're in August already. Uh, I hope you're taking care of yourself and I hope you remember to be good to each other.